Hello and welcome to the Long Day's Journey into Film podcast. I'm Russ, here with my co-host. Andy here. And we're back after a, after a week break, and Andy's back, so, so that's yeah. cool. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about some movies, answer some questions. It's going to be a, be a good time. Um, so if you have a question of your own, uh, leave it down below in the YouTube comments section. Um, if you're listening to this on Spotify or any other podcasting site the there'll be a link in the description for the youtube channel uh so head over there and subscribe because there is some bonus bonus content there sometimes um so definitely we'll definitely uh have some stuff over on that youtube channel eventually yeah some bonus yeah, content some, some stuff that, that nobody else would get it's like patreon except for free um <laughs> also follow us on letterboxd we're on Letterbox, so yeah, so follow sure. us. Uh, we do have an Instagram be... page, but I think you kind of fell off with posting stuff there. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's fine. I, I'm I terrible at social media. Yeah, same. Uh, but I don't know. Check out that description. Sometimes there's good things down there. Uh, so now we'll be answering questions um, from our viewers. Um, most of these questions that we're answering are from the Discord server we're on, which is sometimes linked down below as well. Uh, but you can just leave a question in the comment section if you want. Um, first off, we got from Mav, who is comment left us questions consistently. So shout out Mav. Uh, what do you think is most plaguing plaguing the movie industry at the moment? That's an interesting um... question. Um... I'd have to say uh, remakes, reboots. Not that, like, inherently they're bad, but it's just the studio's reliance on strictly those, and the studios aren't really uh, trying to get some new, fresh ideas out there because the existing properties, sequels, remakes, reboots, all make the money. It's a safe bet, really. I don't think it's so much that it's... Yeah, it is that it's um, sequels and reboots and stuff. But, like, I feel like it's more of how they're doing them. You know, they're just doing them because someone recognizes it. And it's like, oh, I, I know that. I'll watch it. It's like, there's nothing really behind them. I mean, you know, sometimes there are good uh, sequels and reboots and stuff. But, like, I, I feel like it's more uh, kind of like in last episode, uh, we talked about um, directors. And um, what, what do you think is, like, a, the downfall of great directors, basically? And it's kind of like just laziness, I think. Um it feels it's like, shallow, their efforts. Yeah, yeah, it's just like shallow. Like, they don't really... Um, Care about the properties they're remaking or rebooting. They're just doing it for money. Yeah, because they can. It's like, you know, if you make a Terminator 8 or whatever the fuck, someone's going to be like, oh yeah, I'll watch that. And it's like, they don't actually put anything behind it. They don't actually care about what they're doing other than this will make money, this won't. It's like, that's why I think a lot of um, independent films, I mean, you know, recently with like, you know, A24 and stuff, a lot of... Neon. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of that, that type of stuff. You know, they're being more, they're taking more risks, and you know, it is, um, you know, it works for it because people do they're like that. Kind of taking off too. Yeah, it is, but it's like, you know, sometimes the riskier stuff or the stuff that's more, um, I don't know, um, maybe not as marketable or just generally not as accessible um, to mainstream audiences. It's just like people don't want to make it because it's like. You know, well, why the fuck would a big studio make something that it's like not going to make them as much money as if they just made like fucking, I don't know, Avatar 3 or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, I mean, I think I Avatar movies are existing just because James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, 
I feel like everyone will watch Avatar 2. Because it's like, oh, it's Avatar. But, like, if it's not good, people might not watch all those. Doesn't he have, like, how many sequels does he have planned? I think there's at least three sequels. So, like, four movies in total that are, are filming or have filmed. So they are coming, whether or not we like it or not. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, it's like some I hope people say. At least yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the original or the first Avatar. Uh, um, I don't I, mind it. It's yeah, basic same. It's like white savior kind of thing, but yeah, I have that like basic opinion that like it looks cool and like that's it. I don't know. It's it's fine, but like oh, I'll, I'll watch There's the sequel. Potential there. Um, but like you know, a lot of people say it's like something. A big problem is like streaming, and you know, uh, streaming is the death of cinema. All that. I don't and think so. Actually, that leads us into our next question. <laughs> that was a very um, a smooth segue for me there. Um, what's your take and opinion on streaming services? So I, I think they're fine. I don't think they're the death of cinema. If anything, I think there's potential for them to like like indie movies and shit. There's a potential like how do I say it? There's a market there for people who like aren't into mainstream cinema as much. Yeah, they might be more interested in something on streaming, even though the theater experience is preferred. Like that's the thing. It's like people say it's like it's the death of cinema because you know uh, people just want to go on Netflix and not go to the theater. But it's like not really. I mean, theaters are still around. They're still gonna be around. They're not like you know. It's like nobody goes there as some relic. You know. It's like. Mm-hmm. You can definitely like take always... more risk on streaming. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like um, streaming services. And as for just generally, um, um, yeah, it's like I think it's a really good thing to have um, so much available. Um, I mean, obviously, not every streaming service is going to have everything people will want, um, and there's always <clears throat> other options out there to find whatever you want. But like, I, I feel like it's a good, um, it's kind of a unique opportunity for uh, film film lovers and stuff to find uh you know so much in, in one place for like um you know just pay like i don't know ten dollars a month or whatever and it's like there's so much stuff out there in different services um i, I don't know i think it's, i like I, i'm for them i'm i'm yeah. pro streaming service I, I spend a lot of time on hbo so mm. yeah it's really like generally um my favorite uh streaming services i would say hbo max and criterion channel uh, for ones you yeah, pay for, for um, HBO Max is like always crashing for some reason for me, and that kind of sucks. But like, I don't know, they got a great selection, and Criterion Channel is just like top notch. I, I I love everything on there. Um, and for free ones, I really love Tubi and Canopy. Uh, Canopy especially because it got like a huge selection, and you know it's just free. There's no ads or anything. If you have a I'm library sure card, Canopy. Yeah, I need to get a library card. <laughs> but Tubi's great because like. Even though there's ads, which is a bit annoying, it's like they have such a huge selection. It's great. Ruby is always great for obscure horror. Yeah, yeah, they have such a wide selection of horror. I mean, stuff that sometimes you can't even find anywhere else. At least I can't. YouTube um, has stuff too. Yeah, yeah. YouTube actually has a lot of free stuff. I mean, sometimes it's it comes and goes because it gets taken down. Um, but yeah, there's a there's some interesting stuff. I found there's some really obscure couple, movies on there. Uh, obscure horror movies on YouTube that are I think pretty permanent going to stay there. Mm. 
like home movie and uh, I forget the name of the other movie, but it was a weird movie. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I found like a Shuji Teriyama film on there. It's like, what? Because <laughs> 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 it's just like, I can't find it anywhere. Um, what, what else do we have? Um, oh, by the way, that question was from Bu- um, Bunny. So thanks, Bunny, for the question. Um, here's one from Ishu. Uh, what, are, what are the books you've read which you want to be adapted into a movie and vice versa? I'm not really a big book reader, but I've been trying to read more recently. Um, I'm a big fan of Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, he is the author of like Fight Club and um, Choke and stuff like that. That He has several uh, books that were turned into films. Um, but he has some really good ones, like the his book uh, Survivor, um, I think would make for a really great movie or uh, like a miniseries. Um, and I think I think his book Lullaby was actually considered for like, um, or they're talking about making it into a miniseries. So that's interesting. Um, um, I'm not really a big book reader either, but um, I, I guess if I had to choose, I, I'd go, I'd like a graveyard, the graveyard book adaptation from Neil Gaiman. That'd be uh, pretty good to see if it's done right and. If Neil Gaiman's attached, I'm sure he'll treat it right. Um, Paradise Lost would be cool to see adapted, but I have no idea how you would pull it off. That sounds familiar. I have not read this book, but everything I know about it sounds really dope. So it'd be cool to see it. And that's a uh, Magica from Clive Barker. Mm. I think yeah, there's Clive a lot Barker. of potential there. Or just like anything Clive Barker does. Yeah, I, I he should read more. <laughs> he should be treated like Stephen King's been treated. Yeah, Stephen King has a ton of adaptations, doesn't he? He does. And he has some mid-tier stuff, but he also has some really good stuff. Mm, yeah. Adaptation-wise. I must and admit, I've, I've, uh, I've never actually read a full Stephen King book. Um, I started mm-hmm. reading The Gunslinger at one point, but I just wasn't really into it. I should read The Shining at some point. I really should. Um, Ant Kind by Charlie Kaufman. That would make for an interesting movie. <laughs> um, uh, if anyone knows that book, it's or Charlie Kaufman in general, it's it, it's very out there, and it's it's very, it's a very thick book as well. So I'm not sure how you would turn it into a movie, but um, there was a series of books I read in like middle school. I don't. I think it's like called The Seventh Son. Or something. Seventh Son. I think there was actually a movie adaptation of it. Oh. But it wasn't like the same. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm trying to think of some books I've read. Fuck. Hold on. Let me check my Goodreads account because I made a Goodreads account for some reason. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of The Last Apprentice, which did get an adaptation, but it was... Absolutely fucking garbage, apparently. So it'd be cool to see these books adapted per- perfectly because I was pretty into them. I just saw Uzumaki, the Junji Ito um, manga, go by on my my Goodreads account, and like apparently that's getting like a legit anime sh- show, like miniseries. That's cool. If anyone knows like 
They actually had a film adaptation called Spiral from 2000. Not the, not the Saw one, but the, um, and it wasn't very good. I, I watched it after I read the manga, but uh, I'm, I'm interested in what the show will be. Anything um, from Junji Ito would be very cool to see. Oh yeah, he's such a, um, such like grotesque imagery in his stuff. It, it, I would like to see like a Cronenberg Junji Ito. That'd be kind of cool. Or not, I don't fucking know. It also said, um, or vice versa, I'm not really sure if I've ever watched a movie and thought, like, um, I would like to see this as a book. Because uh, I'm not really a huge reader, but I'm trying to get into more stuff. Uh, I'm trying to read a lot of books that's, like, based, uh, or movies were based on, like, Fear and Loathing and The Shining. And uh, I read Train Spotting a while back, American Psycho, that type of thing. Um, I don't know. I don't have much more for this question. Do you? Uh, hold on. I don't, but... Anyway, um... We got one from Kellicorn. Um, what is one movie that you can quote the most, and how much of it can you quote? Um, fuck. What's a really quotable movie? Um... Uh, the Big Lebowski is really quotable. That's like a kind of a classic quote. Big Lebowski's great. I like Joe Dirt. Quotable. To me, because mm. it was the, my comfort movie for a while. For like quotable, let's see, like American Psycho was quotable. Um, um what movie have I'm thinking of? Shit. For probably for like what movie? Um, like how much of it can you quote? Like, um, a movie that I can quote the most would probably be like Train Spotting because I've just seen it so many times. Um, I guess that would be Scream or Joe Dark for me then. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, most of my favorites I, that I've seen a whole bunch, like Taxi Driver and stuff, I can probably quote too. Um, here's a little interesting spin on the question: What's your favorite quote from a movie? Oh, that's very hard to. Yeah, I, I just kind of threw that in myself. I can always cut this out. We don't have to make. We don't have to wreck I have our brains. No <laughs> idea what I would be. Um. But yeah, yeah, I, I would say like Big Lebowski or Train Spotting for me. It's just yeah, those are both very quotable. <sighs> Were we supposed to give quotes or? Because now, for, like at this moment, I can, can't think of a single fucking quote from either. Of those. <laughs> um, either. But yeah, they're, they're they're both very quotable. Yeah, um, uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure how much I can quote like a percentage of some of it or something, but like I don't fucking know Train Spotting. I've, I can say most of the. I can remember some you know, quotes most of the, doll- the Scott Pilgrim. I got a pee on her. I should rewatch that. What? <laughs> the, the quote. It's a quote from Scott Pilgrim. I got a pee <laughs> on her. I should rewatch that movie. I could write. I like I could write. Superbad's um, got some good quotes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, twenty one and twenty two Jump Street probably have some good ones too. Yeah, I haven't seen those for, like, forever, but those are fun. Um, Naked is kind of quotable. It's got a, really a lot of great dialogue. Um, I'm not really sure if it's what people would usually think of as a quotable movie, but, like, I don't know, it's just, it's got some of the best dialogue in anything I've seen, so, like. Um, another question uh, from Olivia, so shout out Olivia. Uh, which movie led to your sexual awakening? I I don't know if I have a movie like that. Uh, I guess like 
I don't know. Um, Sky High. I watched that when I was kind of young. I was like, what movie? Damn, Sky High. Um, fucking. Oh, Sky High. It's like Mary Elizabeth Winstead in that. Uh, I saw some movies when I was younger that uh, I probably shouldn't have, but thanks to my older brothers, I have. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, older brother. My cousin used to live with us, so that's why I said brothers. Um, but, Under the uh, skin? That's maybe one for me. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. I, I really like Scarlett Johansson, thanks to Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Avengers 2 for me. Um, um, it's definitely in there. Um, I was a uh, American Pie, I think four is it? Bandcamp. Uh, I haven't seen any of them past the first one. Uh, I've seen a lot of them <laughs> thanks to Comedy Central. Yeah, it's American Pie four Bandcamp. That was played a fucking lot in my bedroom for some fucking reason. Uh. Fuck, I feel like I'm missing something. What am I missing? It was like a, a, a pivotal movie for me that I'm missing. Um, I don't fucking know. Um, I think that was probably it for my sexual awakening movies. Uh, I guess like Margot Robbie and The Wolf of Wall Street. I remember watching that when I was like 12. Something like, damn, son. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Matt Dillon in the House of Jack Bolt. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Not gonna lie, that's that's in there. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, actually, I have several other questions here. Um, that are redo questions uh, from last episode because you weren't here, and I thought they were oh, really yeah. good questions. So I kind of want. I don't. I already answered them. Um. I probably talked longer than I should have since Arthur didn't have uh, in last episode didn't have proper answer answers for these. But um, uh, so you can just kind of answer. Uh, which five movies do you think deserves a Criterion release? And if you could remake a movie with the director of your choice, what movie and which director? But we'll start with the Criterion one. Um, Criterion releases. I definitely think. Um, I think Get Out deserves one for. Hmm. Quite a few reasons. Um, it does have a good. I, it does have like a proper 4K release, though. Like, yeah, I guess I, I guess I could I could see that. Yeah, I, I think it's I, probably I, like worthy, I, maybe. But like, I'm not really. When I, when I think of Criterion movies, I think of movies that are either like insanely good or movies that are like important to film for some reason, whether it's yeah, like I, thematically or how it affected society or whatever yeah the way i see it is like either yeah like very important to film or you can't or it's really good or or just like pretty good and like you can't find it anywhere like that's a lot of stuff that i'd love to see in the, like like there's a lot of classics it's like you know the godfather could probably be in the criterion you know like um fucking i don't know the shining but it's like those movies do have proper releases you know, that are decent, and, like, yeah, I'd like to see them, but, like, I'd also love to see, like, a, you know, like, a Shushi Teriyama box set or something, or, like, a, a Harmony Korean box set, because it's, like, you can't even find those sometimes, like, proper DVDs. Like, last episode, I talked about, like, Eureka, uh, the uh, Shinji Edoyama film. Like, you can't even, I can't even find a proper DVD of that, and it's, like, I think it's important, a lot of stuff that's, like, uh, I don't know, I, I, I 
talked about more in the last episode. Um, I think of movies like that that I I need to go to my letterbox to look around because I'm sure I do have films that I like that not that not so much that I like but films that I think deserve to be in the Criterion. Mm. Yeah, there's so many. Um, I, I kind of went on and on last episode, but um, um. You probably have more than me. I think most of these films that I've seen were thanks to Procrastinian Collection. So, I'd love to see more um, Edward Yang films like That Day on the Beach and like Terrorizers. Um, I'm not sure if Terrorizers has a proper Blu-ray or not, but like since they have like Yee and um, A Brighter Summer Day, and I think Taipei Story as well in the in the collection. I'd love to see some of his other stuff that's more maybe not as well known. Um. I can go on and on about Criterion. Like, honestly, uh, we could probably do, like, a whole, like, episode just talking uh, just talking about what uh, we think could, um, is worthy of being in the Criterion collection or needs, like, a Criterion release. So, um, yeah. what about the remake question? Remake, what movie? Huh. So, fuck, where would I go with that? I think I would choose a movie that I like that's not so good. That would probably be better if at a more like talented director. Yeah, my answer was I think the love to see Gaspar Noe's seconds remake that he mentioned. Not that it ne- that movie needs remade, but like I just kind of love to see what he'd do with it. I'm looking, trying to think, what would be a good movie to remake? I feel like I would probably go with that like '80s heart movie. That deserved more uh, credit. Yeah. Something like, um, like the stuff. If you remade the stuff with director, like, who would be good to? I think I'll go with like the stuff or Wishmaster. Oh, Wishmaster! It's so good though. This doesn't need to be remade. True. I mean, if it was remade, it'd probably lose a little bit of its charm. As yeah, like if they made that, and it wasn't didn't have that same tone of like kind of kind of self aware, like you know, kind of cheesy. Uh, like if it was fully serious, I'm not sure if it would be as fun. We should do a Wishmaster episode. I want to see. Uh, I know Guillermo del Toro did Bleed too. But I would still like to see him tackle vampires a bit more. So, if Guillermo, I struggle with names, Guillermo del Toro uh, remade Subspecies, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, I want to see that. I want to see Subspecies. It's it's not super great, but it's got potential. That's why I want. That's why I say like Guillermo del Toro attached to it could probably do it really well. Yeah. Um. I'd like to see the movie Filth from 2013 be remade. I'm not sure what director, but like, I feel like there's something there that just kind of wasn't quite um, there. Like, I feel like the, I don't fucking know. I, I bet the source material is good enough that you can make a really good movie out of that. Um, um, I don't know who would direct it, but if we could reboot the Puppet Master franchise with someone really competent, that would be nice. Didn't they make the, wasn't that recent one, the Littlest Reich? Wasn't um the guy who did like Bone Tomahawk involved? 
Yeah, he wrote it, but he didn't direct it. Oh, okay. I I really like that movie because it's like Craig Zoller. It's not like a great movie in like general terms, but I really enjoyed it because it was everything that like a B movie, in my opinion, should be. Yeah, I want to see the I want to see the original Puppet Master. I want to see that one. All I all I wanted to see was insane kills and a lot of dumb goofy humor and i got plenty of that so i'm really happy with the film um i might be wrong about this but are those like trauma those some of those puppet master sequels i don't think so all right there's probably a few trauma movies or uh full moon movies that serve remakes too mm-hmm. yeah i'm just last of Newcomb this... high i want to see that Pretty much like any like B eighties movie could probably be remade. Yeah, with the right director, probably. Um, do some music again. Okay. Um, I think that's it for questions. Um, I'm looking at my window. Hold on. I swear, like someone's having the craziest fucking party down the road. All right, that's it for the questions. That's it for yeah. the questions. Um, now we're gonna be. Having a little little bonus discussion in here. Uh, I guess we never actually um, announced what we'd be talking about this episode, but uh, a little bonus discussion about a new film that just came out, like what, like a week, two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, Malignant by James Wan from 2021. Um, so we both saw this, and I think we both have enough to say about it to have a little discussion. So what do you think of Malignant? I thought it was a mess. Oh, wait. Also, complete... real quick. Wait, 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 wait. Also, real quick. Um, we'll... How about we don't say spoilers? Um, for, since it's a brand new movie. How about we yeah. don't talk spoilers? And then when we do start talking spoilers... Um, we'll have I, it bookmarked. Or, like, marked. With, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, did, I also thought it was kind of a mess. Um... I've never really liked James Wan a whole lot as a director, except for Saw. So I was I wasn't going in expecting much anyway, but I was trying to be positive, and it was just a very weird movie. And I think I know what he was going for. I just think he failed on a lot of fronts, personally. Yeah, but I appreciate that he was trying to go that route. Yes, yeah, so like. Um, I enjoy James Wan's films. I mean, I don't think he's like a top tier director, but I really love Saw. Uh, that's one of my favorite movies, um, or at least favorite horror movies. Um, I, I enjoyed uh, both Conjuring movies and Sidious, um, and I also enjoy Furious Seven. But uh, also, Death Sentence is decent. So, like, yeah, I, I like him. I, I think he's a good director. Um, and you definitely feel, um, I feel like the kind of the styles. Uh, you feel a style a lot in this with like the um, uh, I don't know like wide shots of the house, like people walking around a house and it's like dark. And kind of like those like almost um, kind of like in the, the Conjuring, there's a lot of that like, yeah, like haunting esque. Yeah, yeah, and like I feel like you feel um, get a lot of elements of his different films uh, in this, but like I don't think it really works. The film overall, it's like I feel like it's going for one tone. Until it's not, and then it's going for another tone, and then it just kind of like merges in between the two of like, yeah. So should we give like a description of what this movie's about? I just we never do that in the right time. <laughs> so um, 
Malignant is Malignant is about a woman who is paralyzed by fear from shocking visions. They start to worsen and she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. Pretty much. It it sounds weirder than it actually actually no, I don't know if it's weirder than it actually is. Like the premise sounds the premise sounds weirder. Um, yeah. The premise sounds cooler than what we got. <laughs> yeah, like Yeah, so um shit, what was I gonna say? Um there's a lot of cliches in this. Like um all the characters and like their their motivations and stuff, it's like it all feels very familiar and, and it's all kind of predictable. I mean, there is like a twist. Um ah fuck it. Should we just get into spoilers? <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Uh, if, if you don't, if you don't want this movie spoiled, skip to skip ahead to whatever time. Uh, I'll put like a t- time thing in here. Timestamp. Um, time yeah. Um, so like basically, yeah, she's having those visions. Uh, I think her name's like Madison, Maddie, or something. I, I get confused her. by the fucking names in this movie. And um, hold up. This movie is full of actors. I do not know, by the way, except for like one actor, and that was. Someone who got killed very early on. That was the uh, abusive boyfriend that Madison had. Yeah, like that. Like the whole like, abusive boyfriend element. I, like it's weird because it's like it's it's sort of like really brief in the movie because it's like you inter- they introduce him, he like pushes her against the wall or whatever. But then it's like the next night uh, he gets killed, and it's like it's weird because it's almost like it's almost like it didn't even really need to be there. And like I just feel like I've seen that exact trope or cliche of like the the abusive boyfriend that gets killed. Like, haven't you seen that in other horror movies? Like, I don't, I don't know, just, like, all the characters in it. Then there's, like, the very generic, like, um, the cop and the par- partner, the, you know, the detective characters. And, like, I mean, that's <laughs> I not really a like, bad thing. Um, the cop, but, like, the, or the, uh, sorry, the detective in this movie is actually, for me, one of the more enjoyable parts. What's his name, like, Kakoa or something? Yeah, like, Kakoa Shaw, which yeah, is a weird I, name, but whatever. Yeah, like, I enjoyed that, but, like, it felt very, um, cliche. Just, like, all the characters felt very, uh, or at least familiar, I guess you would say. Um, I didn't think the like, acting was all that. I just thought he was probably one of the best actors in the film. Yeah, I thought the acting was good from, um, Annabelle Wallace as the main character. Um, I've seen her in other stuff. What the fuck have I seen her in? She was in Haunting of Hill House, wasn't she? What? I th- no. think? No. No. What the fuck? Hold up. I got a fact check. I mean, she does look like uh, the woman from Haunting of Your House. Because I understand the confusion. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, who am I thinking of? You're thinking of uh, fucking his wife. What's his name's wife? From the director of Dr. Sleep. I don't know. Who did the wife? Haunting of Your House? Mike Flanagan's wife. Kate it must be, yeah. Fuck, I thought she was... Yeah, I was thinking she was someone else. <laughs> um, okay, uh, but she was good in it. I thought she was good. Um, I didn't really think the sister was very good. I didn't think her acting was... Uh, like, Sydney, I think her character's name was. Um, yeah. But yeah, just like, the whole film, it feels very... Um, it just feels like this, like, kind of generic um, story of, like... Well, not generic. It's like, it's going for a serious tone. Um, and, and, and it is serious. It's like early on, she like um, she's like a miscarriage after the first um, incident of, uh, which actually doesn't really make much sense. Part of the incident, 
um, considering the twist later on. Uh, I guess we can talk about it, but um, yeah, she's a miscarriage, and it's like it's supposed to be like a sad scene, and like it it plays itself seriously, but like the opening scene is very goofy. It's like very like cheesy and like over the top. There's like they're in the hospital or whatever, or I don't know what the fuck it was, and, and there's like something rampaging, and they're like saying, "What the fuck do they say?" Like. You've been a bad, bad boy, Gabriel, or something like that. Yeah, um, and like that line, it was hilarious. Yeah, and like for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, and they're like talking, and there's like the fucking thing, and you just see like a glimpse of it. Uh, like, um, I think it's like strapped down or something. And she's like, "Time to cut out the cancer," and then it like cuts to like the opening, um, opening um credits, and like. I don't know, it's something that felt like when I when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, so it's gonna be like this type of thing," you know. But then it gets really serious for a while. And then later, it gets goofy again. And, like, some of the characters in it, it's like, I don't know, it's like they, they feel like they, they're they in a different movie. Like, I'm not sure if yeah. it's the, um, I don't know. And, like, it felt like he wanted to do a giallo, but he could not resist bringing in stupid supernatural elements. Yeah, that's the thing I hear people comparing it a lot to, but I really haven't seen much... Um, uh, Giallo films, other than like uh, Suspiria and Don't Torture, Don't Torture Duckling, I think those are both Giallo. Um, so I, I don't really have much to uh, compare it to, but yeah, like it felt like it could have easily been either type of movie, um, but just that all the way through, and it would have been better because there's stuff like, all right, so the twist, um, you know, she's having visions of these murders happening, and um. And it turns out that she's actually the one committing the murders, and that the um, well, she's like taken over by like the kind of like a um, like a parasitic twin, I guess it's called, or whatever. That's like in our back, um, cut off as a kid, and yeah. pushed it into her brain, which is like such a weird. <laughs> I don't know why you would just push it like out. That seemed like a weird thing, but um, like it doesn't really make sense because like early on, and it like hijacks her mind. And then she just sees these things happening as like a uh, dream, um, like like she's there but she's not. And um, it's because Gabriel blocks out her memory. It's really her. her yeah, and like her like her limbs committing turn the murders. Yeah, but, but, but the like, weird thing about it is like early on, there's a scene where it's like after uh, I guess she kills the like abusive husband or this whatever boyfriend. Boyfriend? Okay, um, yeah, she kills she kills him, and then, like, she comes down the steps to, like, what's going on. And then, I guess she chases herself back up. Like, I don't know who's chasing her there, because it's not just in our mind, I guess. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, the thing's chasing her, I guess Gabriel is chasing her. And it's, like, at that point, you think it's it's different from her. But, like, later on... I, and also, there's I think scene it was just, like, looking like out the window. That confuse us. And, like, and, like, she's mate, looking and... at the... Yeah, but she's, like, looking out the window, and she sees, like, I guess, like, Gabriel appear, like, outside, like, a, a light or something, or, like, a street lamp, mm. and she's, like, walking towards the house, but it's, like, what's she even imagining? Like, it makes sense that maybe she'd imagine what's happening because she's actually there, maybe she's just perceiving it differently, but, like, why would she, something actually be chasing her? Like, is that just in her mind? And then she has, like, a I, miscarriage? I don't, like, I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't think there was anything chasing her. I think it was, I think it was, like, metaphorical. But it was put there to make us think that Gabriel is different in a second thing from her to hide the twist, even though she was running away from Gabriel trying to resist killing the husband. Yeah, I guess that makes but sense. But she couldn't really yeah. stop it because he was taken over. 
Yeah. But, like, that twist, and, like, there's a scene when you see, like, um, uh, I think it's a tape. It's, like, a, uh, the sister goes to, like, the old, this weird, like, abandoned castle, like, or it's, like, this, like, castle on a hill. It's the, uh, <laughs> asylum hospital yeah. thing? Yeah, that, that, like, she, that, uh, Madison was there when she was younger with, uh, twin, um, Gabriel on her back. And, anyway, she gets, like, a video of the sister and then comes back and they're watching it with, like, the mother. And it's, like, kind of revealed, like, she, like, her is, like, a kid, uh, Madison. She, like, turns around and you see, like, this fucking, like, creepy thing in her back. And, like, that was a good scene. Like, that was, like, you know, it's, it's kind of cheesy and ridiculous, but, like, it, it was actually kind of cool. And, like, you see, like, a, uh, I think you see, like, a surgery or something. Like, that whole yeah. part, like, but, like, if they didn't play it so seriously in some parts, it's so over-the-top goofy in other parts, I feel like it could have been a good movie, you know? I feel like they should have or he should have stuck to the more goofy B element instead of adding, like, he should have just made it a straight, like, modern-day B movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think it needed all those, like, kind of generic um, plot beats that is kind of just, um, I don't know, that's the thing I was thinking. It almost feels like James Wan wanted to make a film that's just really, this like, self-aware. B- yeah, it's like almost self like self aware, cheesy, over the top. Uh, people are saying it's like Raimi esque, like Sam Raimi, but I don't, I don't really I think don't it's see it at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't really get the comparison, but um, like I feel like you want like a modern day B movie, but with a big budget. But like then maybe it's almost like maybe the studio said like, uh, you know, you gotta make this maybe a bit more like the Conjuring movies or like um a bit like um you know his other stuff, just so maybe we can market it better. Because, like, all the trailers, uh, I think I saw, like, one trailer, and it was, it looked like it was, like, another Conjuring movie or something. And, like, it definitely has those elements. Like, uh, it has, like, the kind of the, it's not really haunting, but, like, in, like, the Conjuring or something, there's, like, those, like, haunting scenes where someone walks around a house unaware that there's some, like, uh, evil entity in there uh, with them. And, like, it has those scenes. It has a scene where, like, she, like, goes back into her memories or something. And that reminded me of, like, Insidious. Um, yeah. there's like a similar scene in Insidious when like they go into like the paranormal realm or something I kind of forget but um also I guess you can say like the gore stuff is like Saw but like I saw people saying that but like it's not Saw isn't like the first Saw isn't that's not really what it's like it's more of like a crime thriller um so I don't I don't know um but yeah it's just I feel like it kind of fails on both levels since it tries to do both yeah. Um, and other people see other people seem to love it. It's like, oh, you know, this is like a really fun. Um, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. But there's other parts where it does. Like, there's a scene when Madison she's talking to her, her sister, and she kind of reveals that she's adopted, and she's like, oh, I'm adopted. And it's like this, like it's supposed to be a, like emotional, but it's like so like stupid. Like I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like funny or not. And like that, it cuts to like serious music, and that's another thing they keep playing the. Um, um, Safari Riot remix of Where's My Mind throughout it, like three or four times. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, there's like a. I recognized it. I kept thinking of this. There's like a trailer. I think it's fan made. I think it's a fan made trailer on YouTube for Fight Club that uses that music. And it's the Safari Riot remix of Where's My Mind. Um, I don't even know what the fuck I'm going on about. <laughs> you have anything, anything else um, to say? We have not talked about that finale. Yeah, yeah, big finale. (laughs) I, like, kind of enjoyed it, and, like, 
wow, this is okay. Props to them for going this route, but this is bad. I don't know. It was very weird. It pretty much like turned into a fucking action movie, like some Matrix bullshit. It reminded me of like. Watering. Yeah, it also kind of reminded me of like Upgrade, um, like the fighting style, like the. I haven't like, seen with the Upgrade. Camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's like uh, Le Winnell. Um, but um, yeah. yeah, it's just such a weird thing to have like this giant like gory like action scene, um, after like parts of it that try to take itself so seriously. And like, yeah, she's in the prison cell with like uh, I think it's like Zoe Bell from like, um, fucking what's she in? What's it? Tarantino movie is she in? Zoe Bell, uh, isn't it Death Proof? Yeah, yeah, Death Proof. Um, and like they're like beating her up, and then she like um becomes uh gabriel i guess takes over and like you see it like coming out of the back of her head and it's got like little teeth and stuff and then she's just fighting and like breaking people's arms like crushing people's heads and like punching through people like it's a cool scene like i really enjoyed that like it's but it's just like if it was consistently like that like if the whole movie was like that um and then she um what happens the fuck happens she like traps gabriel that's what the thing's called um yeah, she, she like traps him in her mind, I guess, or like kind of in the back of her mind. And yeah, like they're in like a hospital room with like her sister and mother, and like she's. Gabriel. I was confused about the locations towards the end of the movie. Yeah, me too, because they're like in a police station, and then they're in the hospital. Like what? Yeah, but and like you see him, or or you see her, like as Gabriel, she like kills the sister and the mother, and I felt like. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I didn't think they were going to do that. And then it, it's fake, and like it was kind of a fake-out. And uh, she like traps Gabriel like in the back of her mind, and, and it's like this giant like prison Rumsky. door. <laughs> yeah. It's like dark, with like a prison door, and she like shuts it and says, like, I'll be waiting for you next time. And like, I don't know, it, it just felt cheesy. And also there's this whole uh, element where like Gabriel is like the devil, I guess. Like she's like as a kid, like she says, like oh, it's the devil, which is okay. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really see why they needed to do that. I mean, the twist was kind of ridiculous that there's like a parasitic twin or whatever um, on her back that they pushed into her brain. But like, why does it need to be the devil? Like, I don't know. I don't does know. he do I, anything I supernatural like in it? Gabriel, but Gabriel. yeah, yeah, he it's, had it's, a very it's, cool design. Yeah, he's got like the. Yeah, like the backwards arms, and he like walks. He walks really weird, like the walking backwards, and um, like the Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. I guess there is kind of that element, kind of like a possession type of thing when he takes over. But oh, just having the element that is like this, like supernatural or something. Like he like controls electricity for some reason, too. Yeah. Like he makes like lights go out, and maybe that's just the power of. Fetuses, because apparently mind. he like eight or other <laughs> fetuses. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess maybe it could be like, because apparently like uh, Madison's mother was like raped or something when she was like a teenager, and that's why she had this weird kid. I guess you could say it's like some kind of Rosemary's Baby type thing, where it's like I don't fucking know. Um, uh, like maybe that's why it's this weird parasitic cancer mutant form thing. I don't know. Uh, I'm. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about Malignant. I didn't really care for it. I gave it like two stars. Yeah, I feel like it could have been shorter. It was like 
two hours. Probably could have been like 80 to 90 minutes. Um, oh, one thing I wrote down. Um, yeah, there's that big goofy um, or over-the-top gory action scene, and then it's like gets real serious, and like she says to her sister, like, it's basically, because earlier on she said, like, uh, she wanted a real blood connection with someone um, because, you know, I guess she's adopted. So then at the end, it's basically like the real blood connection was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, I'm about the, uh, about the same as you. I, I would give it like a five out of ten. Um, like, I enjoyed watching it. I mean, just like some of the cliches, it's like, are they really doing this? And the other parts that I think are actually good, they're like I enjoyed watching. Like some of the gore was fun. Um, uh, yeah, like parts of it are fun, and parts of it are unintentionally funny. Um, but like overall, it's kind of, it's, it's a mess. Um, yeah, it is pretty entertaining if you can get past the. I mean, it's not that long, but kind of. Um, if you can kind of get past the length and kind of the I don't know messiness of it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we got a good yeah. Good, conversation out of that um now um our next film would be next film which was recommended by you yes sir um seven from 1995 directed by david fincher starring brad pitt and morgan freeman yes and someone else that we will not name yes we get to it (laughs) um yeah, so um, seven. It's my favorite is... buddy cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Seven's right. about uh, two detectives who discover some elaborate and grisly murders, and they soon realize that they're dealing with a serial killer. And the stero- serial killer starts getting in their heads, and it's realized that uh, this had all been planned out. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah and. Uh... Uh, the kills are in the order of the seven deadly sins. Yes. Um, so this is, is a, a kind of a classic at this point. Um, and I really, I really love this film. Uh, it's up there with some of my favorite. Um, it's yeah, one of same. my favorite serial killer movies up there with like House of Jack build and Cure. Um, it's a classic for a reason because it's very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we start out with Morgan Freeman. Um, I think his name is William Somerset. Um, yeah. Name. And he gets new partner, uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, David Mills is his, is, the, is his name. And yeah, like. And things starts happen. out. <laughs> and. Um... Morgan Freeman is at the scene of a crime. Where also, spoilers white... for this. This will be a yes. full spoiler discussion. So, and uh, it turns out like the wife had shot the husband, and Freeman asks if the kids saw it, but he gets mouthed off by a fucking shitty cop who ignores him, and Keeps then uh, Brad Pitt walks up. That's where the two meet. And it's yes. uh, as they talk, it's revealed that a free man who has a week left on the force before he retires. Retiring. Yeah, and uh, interesting thing about the opening scene is that it was not the original intended opening scene. The intended opening scene was supposed to be 
a train ride to a farmhouse that uh, Somerset, I guess, had was his ideal dream house. Hmm. Oh yeah, because you watched the you watched the commentary track, right? Yeah, so which I, I did some, not. Uh, got some juicy info. info. Yeah. Nice. And um, it's supposed to be his dream house and everything, but they couldn't get Freeman because. I guess they were done filming Freeman and he was busy at the time. Mm. So they just went with another scene, obviously. They couldn't get him to film the train scene and the train scene would be like too much to film. So they never yeah. went with it. Yeah. So yeah, Morgan, uh, um, Somerset, Somerset. Um, he's like, it's an interesting, um, Dynamic very, between like, um, Mills and, and Somerset because you know Mills being like the um, uh, it's not really a rookie type of thing, but it's like he's way a lot more inexperienced than Somerset, um, and he's more what like what's the word like um, he's from a different area. He's not from a crime riddled city. He's like from suburbia. Yeah, kind of, and it's kind uh, of like rich and, and yeah, and Somerset's more like um. You know, he, he's going to retire, and he's kind of... Uh, Calm and collected. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of, like, um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character in No Country for Old Men. Um, the sheriff character in that, where he's kind of... He's kind of just done with it all. He's just kind of done with, like, dealing with kind of he the shit. He doesn't understand the city anymore. Yeah, it's he like... He doesn't get why people do what they do, and how... the the, the uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, fuck. The gruesomeness of the crimes committed. Yeah, like at one point he says, like, oh, something, um, a guy was mugged, uh, for his wallet a couple blocks from here. And walking his dog. Walking his dog, and and then the guy, um, stabbed both his eyes out or something like that. And I was like, yeah, he's just, he doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's actually very similar to No Country for Old Men. But, um, anyway, their dynamic between the two characters is really good. And, like, You've seen this type of thing in other films, like, say, like, Lethal Weapon. Um, it has a similar type yeah. of thing. Like, Danny Glover is like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm what is it? I'm too old for this shit. Um, old veteran who's about to retire and a uh, rookie detective who's new to the scene. But, like, in this, it never feels like it's himself. just, like, yeah, like, but in this, it never just feels like it's, uh, it's like a gimmick. Like, it's just, like, this kind of... Like, it really works in this, and that's one of the main things I love about it, is how character-driven it is. Um, because even though it is a serial killer movie, and that's, you know, the main thing, um, it's not like a... Um, it's not, like, very open with its... I don't know how to say it. Like, the city, for example, is very rainy all the time. Yeah, and like, yeah I think it's like the rainy, rain like- is is an ominous mask, if you will. It, like, masks not only, like, the city that they're in, but, like, the true reality of everything, in a way. Yeah. And, like, I think it's actually raining in, like, every scene outside. Except, except for, for the, the scene at the end, yeah. Uh, which also, something else interesting, uh, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, yeah. So... But, um, I don't think the... It's... The city is never named. I'm, it. I'm pretty sure it's basically New York City, but it's like in a fictional world because, yeah. Obviously, um, 
the location at the end isn't next to New York City. But yeah, I like know a, most of the set, it was mostly set building, actually. They didn't film it like on location anywhere, I think, for a lot of it. I mean, they did in some areas, but there was a lot of set building, I know, which works because it's easier to mask like the city. Yeah, there's a lot of it um, just takes place indoors and like uh, the police station and like the different crime scenes they visit. And um, the first crime scene, the two duo visit, the two, the duo visits, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, there is the one scene that's like kind of a chase, like towards the middle, uh, and they go outside for a bit. But like overall, yeah, it's mostly inside stuff. Um, has that great dark. Um, it, it's got that great like um, dark, Neo gritty Nora. green um, Fincher aesthetic um, that's in mo- that he's kind of known for. Um, which I really love. It's got a nice neo noir kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah. So it starts <laughs> out <laughs> that uh, I think this they just go to a crime scene and they're not even really sure if it's a crime scene or not, or if some dude just died. And it's the the first victim, the um, um gluttony gluttony victim. Which um, is a pretty nasty scene because yeah, it's a huge fat guy me... that was force fed to death. Uh, which I kind of want to say it's like one of the most grotesque ones. I mean, yeah, even though there's some pretty sick stuff later. Um, I don't know. It's just something about the idea of being like force fed like spaghetti until <laughs> you tell it like your stomach bursts and like yeah, I don't know. It's None just like the... and it's like sitting there like with his head in a bowl of spaghetti and like. There's like a bucket of vomit, and like, uh, once his Brad Pitt like sniffs it, that was always kind of gross. <laughs> and it's um, interesting to think about because later on in the movie, the killer talks about has a nice little. We'll touch on it more later. Has a nice little speech about why he does the things he does. Yeah, and. He argues that everyone he's killed were sinners, and gluttony may be one of the seven deadly sins, but usually it's not like something you murder someone over with, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's something we'll may talk about in a bit, but like, I, I do think that, um, yeah, uh, we'll kind of get to that more, but yeah, I don't think that the guy deserve to die um maybe obviously well there's some later victims that yeah like there's some later that are like none of them really deserve to die in the way that they died oh yeah for sure but like yeah i I don't think just like um being i don't know gluttony or or like being like overweight as the dude apparently was is like enough to to, i don't know we'll we'll get to like his justification for everything he does later but um I, don't know, it's just I wanted to highlight the uh, lighting in the scene also. It, it's perfect. It's never... The power is off in the building where they find a dead guy. Hmm. So all of the lighting is from outside and flashlights, pretty much. Yeah. So you never see the guy until the autopsy scene. Yeah. But it does a very good job of building suspense and... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disgust, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it is a, a gross scene. You get scene. the impression that this has been 
this man is tortured for a while and his house has gone into a mess or wherever the fuck he was living. Yeah. And like, like afterwards, um, uh, they're talking about it. Um, and Morgan Freeman, uh, Somerset says like, um, you know, I, I don't think, um, this was just like a one-off thing. Like the guy says like, Oh no, it was probably just someone has something against him and, and, and you know, decided to torture him to death. Yeah. He but argues like, with the uh, police chief, which is early army. Great actor. Yep. Hmm. But uh, yeah, he argues with the police chief that this isn't a one-off. He doesn't believe him. And then Brad Pitt gets uh, assigned to another case, which turns out to be the next exact case that Morgan Freeman was talking about. Yeah, it's the, um, I think, it's Greed. greed? Yeah. yeah, it's Greed, and it's the uh, lawyer who was probably a big lawyer for the uh, I forget what his ex- exact position was. I think it was like a lawyer for the city or something. Yeah. Yeah, because they say like, you know, he kept uh, um, like murderers and rapists on the street like type of thing. Um, he was very rich for a lawyer yes. and he had a nice little office in a nice building. But uh, he was killed for greed. And he was forced and... to cut off a pound of flesh, uh, saw six style. <laughs> little um, reference. Um, I really like the layout of the crime scene, especially that shot from above where Brad Pitt like is standing there next to the word "greed," and you see how it's all laid out. Yeah, yeah, written in blood on the floor, and um. Yeah, anyway, um, after that point, um, or, or Somerset, he realizes that, it, you know, that he's right, basically, and that they're doing the, he starts researching it in, like, the library um, about, like, the seven deadly sins, and, you know, it's like, you know, there's going to be five more, and yeah. it's really interesting, like, the, um, like how he's kind of, like, uh, intellectual, but he's never played off as, like, his character is just like, oh, he's, he's like really smart. You know, it's like he is, but like, there's like more to his character than that, you know? Um, yeah, he isn't. He's not like a know it all type intellectual, but he's a he bit obviously different is. From the other cops in the city, the other cops are pretty like straight to the point. Don't worry about why people do things, just solve the crime, get over it. Yeah, because there's and... like that, um, there's like great scene when um they're like sitting the there waiting. The I think. Wait, oh wait. What? Oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. Like when he asks about the kid. But um, there's that scene when they're sitting there waiting for uh, what is it? Like the names to match or something. The or, fingerprints. Or, or fingerprints to match. Yeah, that's it. And um, he, he's talking about how like futile um police work is basically. It's like we're just here to like you know get the get the details and the facts. And just keep it, just in case it ever gets used in court. And like how it's kind of... Um, He's always uh, thinking ahead. Yeah, and like Brad Pitt's character... Um, uh, fuck, I forget He's his in name. the moment. David? Yeah, and he's like more maybe idealistic about it. Like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a difference, he's you know? but naive in a way. Yeah. But he wants to do the job right. It's David Mills, by the way. Yeah, yeah David so Mills. But, um... And, yeah, he's, like, he's more, yeah, a bit more naive about it. Like, he thinks he's going to, like, 
you know, he's like really making a difference as a policeman or detective or whatever. And, um, you know, Somerset's more like jaded about it. He's more like, um, he's he's ready to quit. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. And he, he's also like, you know, he doesn't want to, he kind of, it's obvious that he's very interested in the case. Um, you know, the whole, um, serial killer thing, but like, he doesn't, he's like kind of resisting because he doesn't want to just go down a, um, you know, like it could be something that like isn't resolved for like years or whatever. And like, he doesn't want to, but he's obviously like, he's interested, like he's sending, um, Mills, he, he gives him like an envelope saying like, check out these books, uh, about the, the, um, seven deadly sins and stuff. Like, even though he says like, you know, I don't want to be on this case anymore. He's like, he's obviously into it. Um, which is interesting. And yeah. there's that kind of funny scene when um, Mills is like, he gets in his car and he's like reading, uh, I think it's like Dante's Inferno or something. And he's like, fucking Dante. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got damn I mean, poetry writing faggot piece of shit. I was like throwing the, and it's like, yeah, because he's like, um, like he doesn't really know what that is. He's not really into that whole thing. And then the guy, uh, like a policeman, walks up and says, oh, here, here's a, whatever you asked for, or whatever, it's an envelope. And it's like the cliff notes of of, yeah. of the book, so he like gets the gist of it. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, he's he's like I don't know if it's really like uncultured is a word, but he's not. He's de- very different from Somerset. Like um, he's, very, point, he's, he's reading the books and it's like, oh, it's Marcus yeah. de Marcus de Sade. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's um, uh, I don't know. He, that was pretty funny. Um, but, um, um, getting back to the plot a little. And back to the lawyer who was representing Greed. They then find they find a photo in his office with glasses or binoculars, if you will, around his wife's eyes. So they follow that lead to the wife and they show her photos and she notices that a picture is upside down in the house. Or not the house, my bad. The office. So they go and they find, uh, what is it? Help me? Uh, yeah, wall. written in like fingerprints. Yeah, on the wall behind the painting, and that leads to the fingerprint scene. Yeah, yeah. But, they're, um, like, they're matching them up and they're waiting, and yeah, the scene when he's like talking about the um, police work or whatever, and um. I do like how the the um two characters, Mills and Summers, said at first they don't really like each other that much, and then they kind of um you know they get used to each other, and and you know like by the end of it they like like each other. Uh, not that they're like gay, but like you know they're um I don't fucking know what I'm saying. Um, they're like I actually know, have they... something to say about that when we get there, but we're kind of like jumping oh. around a bit. All right, all right, sorry. But um, I wanted to. Add to the uh, the autopsy scene for uh, the uh, gluttony corpse. Um, it's very fast if you don't notice it, but uh, they gave the guy a big old cock. Yeah, and <laughs> they gave him made him well endowed because the actor he was in makeup for like ten hours and then. He had to wait for uh, the crew to get ready to shoot the scene for like 10 hours. So he was just sitting there in makeup in a nasty environment for like 10 hours. 
So they were like, hey, let's lend them a hand and give them a huge cock. That's the least we can do. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's funny. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, well, yeah. Where were we? Where were we? Uh, we're the clues leading to the third victim. Yeah. Uh, which, which is... is the, they find the lead and um, the police chief thinks it's their guy. And because uh, of the fingerprints, yeah, and his Somerset's kind of sus about it. He's like, I don't know, man, I don't, I, I don't trust him. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, he I don't doesn't know think was. he doesn't think that he would have been that um, careless to leave fingerprints since he's so meticulous <laughs> with everything he's done at this point. And like the victim, well, spoiler alert, that guy becomes the victim or is the victim, um, but. He um, makes the point how whoever's doing this killing is very smart about it, and he doesn't think this guy would have been as smart about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like everything um, took time and planning, and he knew what he was doing. Um, yeah, like there's a great part when uh, they're Mills and Somerset. Mills says like, "Oh, you know, he's just a just a nutball. You know, he's just and." You know, he kind of just dismisses him as like, oh, he's crazy. And Somerset's like, no, you know, you shouldn't. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, so belittle him. Yeah, belittle him. And like, he's cl- clearly insane, but like, the, you know, he's not just like a, uh, I don't know, raving lunatic. You know, he's very meticulous and calculated and smart about what he's doing. And like, Which in a way, is... like, um, Somerset kind of like respects him and like that. You know, he obviously doesn't you know, like what he's doing, but like, he, he respects. Um, the, um, How, the execution of it, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the, the, uh, fuck, what's the word? The, uh, discipline to keep doing this. Yeah, especially after, um, the next victim, the sloth victim, uh, which is probably the most, like, fucked up out of all of them. Yeah. So, uh, so they, they go there. go they... out with the SWAT members, and they burst into this guy. The third victim, who is a drug dealer and child molester, the SWAT breaks in and they find the guy strapped to the bed, emaciated, and barely alive, representing Sloth. And that's really cool because, like, you think he's just dead, and then there's, like, that jump scare uh, where, like, the Um, guy, like, goes in close and is like, ah, or whatever, and, like, I don't know, that was kind of a... That guy is uh, John C. McGinley. He's, uh, fuck. I forget his name, but uh, he's one of the doctors from Scrubs. Oh, I don't watch that show. Yeah, I didn't realize he was in there. And also, I wanted to note that uh, the guy doing the autopsy, Dr. Santiago, uh, was an Oz from HBO's Oz. Hmm. He was an HBO Oz alumni, which is fun for me because I love Oz. So it's always fun to see a cast member pop up in something. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, examine the scene and get the guy out, and they're, they're talking downstairs, and a photographer pops up. And oh, but knows... also, wait, before we get to that, uh, there's also the, um, there was uh, images, uh, I think, of like, oh, yeah, the I'm not sure if it was every day, but like, it was like, they were dated, um, the photographs of him, going back to they that day, it was exactly one year. Um, over a year from when he was abducted. Yeah. Uh, which is really, like, kind of disturbing that he was, like, there like that for a whole year. Uh, and it's, like, all fucked up, and, like, they say, like, apparently his brain's, like, turned to mush, and he chewed his own tongue off. 
Um, yeah, it just looks really like creepy with like the hair and the way his face looks. It's really cool scene. And I like how like there's zombie, like basically. yeah, there's like and there's like air fresheners like hanging all over. That was kind of a cool um, cool little note to uh, avoid the smell that that would have caused. Yeah, um, but yeah, the scene with the um, which is kind of an interesting way to get rid of the smell, but whatever. Yeah, wouldn't it just mask it though? And wouldn't it be like very strongly uh, overpowering? I'm not sure. Smell? Like car air fresheners would help with that smell much, but I guess it's not really dead though, so it's not like he's like rotting. I don't know. But, but yeah, that like, would smell pretty good. The apartment complex didn't really seem very uh, like a good place for people. It seemed to be filled with some sketchy people, anyway. So yeah, they say sure like people care to begin with. They say like the guy, uh, the um, owner or whatever, said like he was like a great tenant because you know his um, uh, money payment was always at t- oh. was always on time or whatever. Um. But they never really checked up on him. No need to. But um, as they're getting back to the conversation by the stairwell. They're talking about the murder, and a photographer pops up. Mills accuses him, or not accuses him, thinks he's his paparazzi. Like, but uh, if you pay close attention, that's actually the serial killer. Yes, which we don't. But know you don't later. know it yet. But if you watch, rewatch it, you'll be able to pick it up. Hmm. Which is an interesting note because they never really talk about it in the movie, but. There's this uh, thing in true crime where the serial killer, not necessarily a serial killer, but the, uh, I can't think of what I'm trying to say. Um, the perpetrator of the crime will often show back up at the crime scene. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of Which is revelant. technically what he was doing, but he was also messing with the detectives at the same time. They just didn't know it yet. Also, like, he took a picture of Mills, and yeah. he's, like, apparently bought him. Ah, we'll get to it later. I mean, we can, we're talking spoilers, obviously, but I don't know. Um, he, like, bought information from the... Um, a dirty cop. Yeah. Uh, for, for, like, where he lives and his, um, his wife and stuff, uh, which we'll talk about later. But after this point, I kind of forget what happens. It's kind of a lull in the movie, I think. Um, not that it's boring or anything, or or not that it slows down, but like it does kind of slow down for a bit. Uh, there's a part when they go to like the. Um... We forgot the dinner scene. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. The like they go to which um, actually took place a little bit before. I think it was after the first victim or the second victim. Somewhere in there. I've Somewhere only seen this movie twice. I'm not like a. I'm not a. I saw it twice today. This might, which I've seen it like three times in total now. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm um, not like an expert on it because I've. I, but but uh, Morgan Freeman describes that scene as like the penultimate scene because it's the scene where everything from Somerset's like Somerset's whole approach on the situation changes because he realizes that like this guy's you know actually not that bad, and he has a wife, and. Yeah, he likes to play with dogs. Yeah, so he gets a little bit of characterization of Mills, and likes that's to play the with turning dags. point of the film. He likes to play with dags. He has 
Brad Pitt and Snatch would say, "All right, I'm getting off track." Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great scene. That whole um, sequence, like, um, like plot wise for the whole serial killer part of the movie. Well, that's the whole movie, but like for that, that doesn't really have anything to do with that part. Um, other, it's just kind of the character building, and I, that's why I think it's really great because it's like they're all really good characters. They're not, they're not like one note, you know. It's like Somerset's a really good character. Mills is a great character. Even the wife, like even though she's not in it, uh, played by Paltrow. Um, she's not in it a whole lot, but like the parts she's in, she's still an interesting character, you know. Like, she's in it for like a couple of scenes, only two major scenes, really. Yeah. Um, but um, David Fincher was actually talking about that during that part that uh, how important characterization is and how important the uh, actor's role is in the film to build up that character and take it to where they believe it should go along with the director's input. It's like the actor's job to create their character, right? And the director's job to fit that into the whole picture. Yeah. And that scene is a really good example of that. Which I want to also note that uh, Brad Pitt seemed to be very involved in this character. Um... Because if you notice, his ties are not very formal ties. They all have, like, basketballs or soccer balls on them. I didn't notice that. And that was all Brad Pitt, because Brad Pitt was the one who chose the ties. And he wanted those ties because it thought it fit the character. Like, the character didn't care about the suit and tie shit. He just cared about solving the case or doing his job. Yeah, it's more And he was, comes from a more rural area anyways, so... Just kind of got that uh, suburban vibe to him. That's a interesting detail. I, I didn't notice it. Um, yeah, and um, but yeah, that whole scene. Here, but... that, that whole scene is kind of you know they just kind of chill and eat dinner and like a train goes by and I, I like the part when then they're like kind of like laughing at just the situation of having like a a place next to a train or whatever. Like uh, it's just a it's it's a really great scene. It's one I'm probably one of the best scenes in the movie, I'd say, even though there's yeah. not like a, it's not like, you know, something really it's interesting nice happening with the whole serial killer thing. Soft point Character in moment. the movie about uh, dimension shit. But, uh, going back to where we were, uh, the detectives then use library records to identify a John Doe. Yeah, because, like, apparently the, um, the, like, FBI keeps keeps tabs on, like, who checks out what in case they say like uh, something if they took out um like mind comp or something on nuclear like, weapons yeah and also um and mark boone jr i think is his name plays the guy yeah. he's credited as greasy fbi man <laughs> which i always he's, uh, I like, from I like mark jr i like him i always refer to him as rat cop because in the movie Too Fast, Too Furious, he gets tortured with a rat. So I just call him oh, Rat Cop. <laughs> I completely forgot he was in that. Yeah, I don't know why there's something particularly, nothing particularly memorable about his character in that, but I always just call him Rat Cop, uh, which sounds like a, an 80s schlocky movie, Rat Cop. It's like Wolf Cop, except for not. Um, <laughs> he turns anyway. into a rat. <laughs> um, I'd watch that. <laughs> Uh, Stort litter is now. Uh, no, no. Yeah, 
if the FBI actually keeps tabs on what people like, if they do that with like what people watch like online, I'm I'm in big trouble. <laughs> 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 kidding. Um, I don't think they really do that unless it gets to like a severe point where it's like everyday habits. It's like oh, they do it once, maybe they were um, they accidentally stumbled upon it or. You obviously haven't to... seen my browsing history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or wanted to try something out, but it didn't work out. But anyways. Yeah, but they end up finding... Because um, like that, apparently, um, Somerset tells Mills, it's like, you know, you gotta can't tell anyone about this, because it's like, I guess it's illegal uh, for him to do that and get the FBI involved and stuff. Um, and then yeah. they go uh, to the guy's apartment. Um, and I think that's where he has the name John Doe um, on his library card, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Serial killer. Yeah, and um, go there, and it's like, that's the one point where they actually get, like, one step ahead of him. Because, like, for the rest of the movie, uh, John Doe, he's, like, ten steps ahead of him. And that's something I really love about it. I love movies when it's, like, the characters aren't actually in control of what's happening. You know, it's like... Yeah. Uh, especially, or, like... And like this is like a serial killer. Uh, reminds me of the film Cure, uh, the Japanese film, uh, which is uh, has, similar in, in that um, way. Um, I think I brought it anyway. And yeah, so they finally get ahead of it, but it's like that's illegal. So like you really can't tell anyone. And you know he shoots at him. Uh, they like go up and they're knocking on his door. And then he he like walks up. He's shooting at him. There's like a little chase, uh, which is a really good scene. Um, and he gets Brad Pitt. And he like knocks him down. I think he hits him with like a crowbar yeah. or something. And he's gonna kill him. Yeah, he's gonna kill him. And then he doesn't. And was it because he just he didn't want to, or was it because Somerset was gonna come and he would have heard the gunshot? Was was that it? Or did he just like because later in the movie he says he like, "Oh, kill I him because you. he had more plans and he kind of wanted to be found in anyways, like in a way to f- like fulfill." the whole seven kills he would have needed to keep mills alive yeah yeah and um yeah and he runs off and escapes and then they like you know they say we can't go we can't break into his um apartment without apartment a, without a warrant and like we, were, we aren't even supposed to be here because it's like how, how are people gonna know that we got here so then they like bribe a homeless person and say like i don't know what was it like they saw it Someone Some that they, that they thought were something, <laughs> like, and so then they decide to call Somerset. And I was like, why the fuck would they know? Like, who to call it? Cause that. But anyway, it's like, and and like Brad, Kit, Brad Pitt like kicks the door, and then they find like all the stuff. Yeah, it's something really interesting. They find like the um, uh, John Doe's like, notebooks. Yeah, and they're all like they're not dated, and they're like, uh, he said like they're just pretty much in random order since there's no dates, and like. It's all his, like, personal thoughts and, like, all his, like, stuff just, like, I don't know, I, I kind of want to read those. <laughs> like, just from, like, the yeah. little bit he, he was, like, saying, oh, it, that, that's pretty interesting. And, like, he's got and all his stuff. Mills finds the photos that he took earlier in the bathtub. Yeah. And then the phone starts ringing. John Doe's on the phone. And yeah, he, he tells him pretty like, much that you got me this time, but I'm upping my schedule, so you better be uh, ready, pretty much. Yeah, he's kind of... Uh, it's not really quite taunting him, but like in a way it is, and like he's also it's like informing him that they didn't really... Do uh, anything. Yeah, they didn't really do anything. Um, 
which is interesting. Uh, um, after this point, let's see what happens. I know the next one is the lust one. Um, I don't remember the clue that led to the other murder, to be honest, some reason. Um, I know they end up going to like a, like a BDSM shop or something. And they see, like, and the oh, guy yeah. says, like, oh, yeah, I made this special. Uh, I kind of forget why they went there. Was it something they found in his apartment? It but... was, yeah. It was, like, something in the books that told him leather. It was, like, an ad or something, or a photo. So they go to the shop. They have a photo of whatever. They never show the photo, so. Yeah, they do, because I, I think it's the, it's, like, the knife dildo, basically. I'm pretty sure that's what, what the guy made. Later, but not at the initial, like... Yeah, but I think yeah, that's was, what... That's what it was. And, yeah, then they go to, um... I think there's it's a just, bladed strap, huh? Yeah. Uh, which is... Leads to the... The lust victim. Uh, which is, like... It's, like, in the basement of, like... Yeah, it's, like, in the basement um, of, like, a... Of a massage parlor. Club. It's is listed as a massage parlor in the credits, so... Mm. I guess that's what it was. It's like an underground. I thought it was like some kind of club because they're like blasting like industrial metal or something. And that's a massage parlor. Uh, I, I was under the impression it was like some kind of like BDSM club for some reason. I don't know why. I'm not uh, sure. It's anyway. a city underground area for sex. That's all you need. And yeah, prostitute. Um, they arrived. Uh, found a guy and said, you know, um, you got a fuck a raper. With a uh... oh trigger warning, oh yeah, yeah. I well, guess trigger, trigger warning for the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's a pretty dark movie. It, it's on. pretty and like the thing is, it's so fucked up about it. Is like you never actually see it. I mean, you kind of see like it's obscured from view, uh, the actual like aftermath or whatever. Uh, but like, it's really um, fucked up to think about. But like, it's like you only see the guy's reaction, the guy who's forced to do it. And, like, just something about it, it makes it more disturbing. Then, like, I guess, I don't know, it's like, yeah, like, the whole film, you only see the aftermaths of the deaths uh, or the, the crimes. And, I don't know, just the guy, and he's, like, sitting there, he's just, like, violently shaking. He's, like, obviously, like, um, uh, heavily traumatized by it. Like, then they interview the guys, and that really doesn't go anywhere. But, like, that whole thing happens. Then the next day, they attend the scene of a fifth victim, which is a model whose face has been mutilated by Doe. And she was given the option to, like, call for help and live disfigured or commit suicide by taking pills. And, uh, well, she chose the suicide option. Which is very Jigsaw-esque, in my opinion. Craig. That felt like something... It is. It would be like a make a choice, live or die, you know, type of thing. Like, uh, I guess both of their names are... John, John Doe, and John Kramer. Hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I feel like that one was kind of rushed, maybe rushed, and maybe a bit. Lacking. Well, I guess it, it uh, is rushed I mean, because he was trying to increase the frequency, and basically everything in that same day, like from the finding the fifth victim to the end of the movie, is the same day. Yeah. So he kills the next victim. To pretty much like distract him while he goes off and does his thing. We'll get to it. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, so as Somerset and Mills return to the police station, 
Mr. Doe turns up and turns himself in, covered in the blood of an unidentified victim. Yeah, it's Kevin Spacey. Which, um... Which he, you know, I mean, say what you will, you know, his... He's a he's a controversial person because of uh, uh, things he's done, uh, but I think he's a it great actor. Of, he's a great actor, and he's, he's great in this. Great actor, he, he plays, but yeah, he's a shitty person. But yeah, he uh, in this he's like uh, he plays a serial killer very well. Uh, he's kind of perfect for it in a way. Yeah. Um, Actually, another interesting thing about Spacey and the character of John Doe, they really fought for Spacey as Doe because they almost couldn't get him at once. And Brad Pitt was like the main guy, like really advocating for Spacey to be John Doe. Hmm. And um, Lee Ermey actually originally came in for John Doe. But um, in Fincher City, it was a really interesting interpretation of John Doe, but wasn't what he was looking for. Yeah. So you, they asked him if he wanted to be the police chief. And he was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So that's how he ended up in the movie. Interesting. Um, uh, I know I'm jumping around here, but that's uh, fine, that's fine. We I did miss to mention or failed to mention that a uh, little fun fact. The library is actually the bank building from the mask. I haven't seen the mask. It's pretty solid. It's a fun little film. But anyways, back to where we were. Oh, yeah. So, um, John Doe turns himself in. Uh, and he's got his uh, fingerprints cut off. Like, his finger... So he Which you can off. actually see happen in the opening scene. Yeah, you if know, you're, if you're fuck, it's, I didn't Not the opening that. scene, but the opening credits. How did I not fucking mention that? Uh, I love... I love the opening uh, credit sequence of this. This has, like, it's just, like, it's got, like, the creepy imagery of, like, uh, John Doe uh, making, putting, um, putting stuff in his, in his journal and him doing, like, the fingers and stuff. And, like, uh, you hear uh, Nine Inch Nails uh, Closer, uh, the remix. Uh, it's called Closer Precursor on the Downward Spiral album. And I'm playing over it. It's, like, man, I, you know, I, I love Nine Inch Nails. And, like, uh, it's just really interesting because, like, in a way, uh, just, like, Generally, it's that a, song, uh, it little, works perfectly for oh. it. Uh, but what? I was going to say, the credits are like a little peek into, like, John Doe, but you don't know it yet. And, like, and um, they actually filmed the uh, whole, like, opening credits were shot in, I don't remember where it was exactly, but a crew member's house by the crew member. And hmm. he, he spent, like, countless, countless hours filming it in his own house. That's interesting. But, yeah, like, maybe I'm stretching or here. Uh, but the song Closer by Nine Inch Nails. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Nine Inch Nails stuff. But... Well, not too much, but I know the song. Yeah. So. Um, I feel like it almost connects, like, thematically um because it's like i'm not too familiar with the lyrics but i know so. okay yeah it's like something something my whole existence is flawed you get me closer to god which is basically the lyrics um i feel like that kind of connects um thematically with like john doe and it's, i don't know maybe i'm stretching here uh, but like i mean the song has a sexual um 
uh, it's more sexual in, in, in nature um, compared to what John does doing. But like, I feel like there's something there. Maybe I'm just, I don't know. But also like at the end, uh, during the ending credits, um, Heart's Filthy Lesson by David Bowie uh, from the album Inside is playing, uh, which also kind of connects thematically to it because it's about a, um, that whole album is about detective, a detective um, on a case about uh, someone who kills for like art. Um, so I don't know. I just, that, that connected thematically. And then also I feel like maybe, maybe there's something there with closer. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just, um... oh, there's also like, a there's also like, uh, ah, fuck. I don't know. I, I can talk more about, uh, David Bowie's, um, outside album another time. <laughs> um, it's, it, 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 it's underrated. I think, I, I think it doesn't get enough appreciation. Um, but sorry, where where were we before we um, went to the opening credits? Anyway, Bo I love the opening had... credits and like it's just so cool. They're like so cool and like it, it sets the tone for the film perfectly. Uh, and also, it, actually, a lot of films after this um have a similar vibe. Like um, uh, I'm thinking specifically like uh, the Collector, the film. I really like that film. And even like Aww. yeah, Saw. And even like um, fucking *Malignant* had a uh, similar, similar like opening credits with like music and the different imagery of stuff and like um, papers and journals or whatever. Uh, I feel like that kind of set the. I mean, maybe there's something before that uh, that I just don't know of. But like, I feel like after that, uh, that yeah, kind of made it a thing to make that type of opening credits uh, with like the gritty, yeah. uh, creepy vibe. David um, um, was. In the commentary notes that um, someone was like, "How are we gonna shoot the credits?" And we're like, "Just normal way, like simple." Or I don't really know the whole film lingo behind opening credits, but um, he was like, "Why do that?" And like, "Why have the lettering straight?" And if you notice, like the credits are like the uh, letters are a little wobbly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sketchy, and he felt that it fit the character of John Doe. Yeah, yeah. It's just a really probably my favorite, probably my favorite opening credit scene. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, back to uh, John Doe turns himself in, and he says that he will uh, sign a full confession um, to the crimes. If he gets to go out with Mills and Somerset into the desert um, and show them where the last two victims are. And they're like, eh, I don't know. But, you know, apparently it's going to say, um, claim or what's the word? Um, claim insanity. Um, and yeah. like maybe not that he'd really get out of it, but like they wouldn't be able to really add, win the press, case. Yeah. And so then they decide to, and they, um... During the drive, they conversate with John Doe. Which is a great scene. Which is... This film I is really, made really up of great scenes. <laughs> Spacey in this whole, like, segment while they're driving and talking philosophically about these crimes and why he did so, and his yeah. motives. Which really makes you look at the film kind of in a different way, and just like, um, yeah, I think it's interesting because he's like, apparently he thinks he's like a, 
um, a uh, savior. He was meant to do this. He was told to do this. Yeah. And uh, uh, Freeman argues against that because if you were forced by hand to do this, you wouldn't enjoy it so much. Yeah, and then he's like, um, he's kind of fucking with um, Mills a little bit because, like, you know, he's like cocky. Uh, you know, uh, Mills is kind of cocky because it's like, you know, we got you. You know, and it's just like saying, like, you know, you're clearly insane and like this or that. And like, he's saying stuff that's kind of fucking with him. Like he says, um, um, what does he say? Something. I don't remember. Uh, it's like, you know, I spared you. This is the only reason that you're here right now is because I didn't kill you. And like that, and then his whole thing is like how, um, his philosophy of like how people let like sin slide. And it's so common now that people don't even think about it. And that all the people he killed were, you know, deserving of their death. Um, which is, it's interesting because it's like, um, it's not just a typical serial killing nutball killing people for fun. It's like he does have this whole thing, this whole philosophy. And like, that you know, is obviously, like, yeah, and like, obviously that it, it's not right what he's doing. And like, what he's saying is kind of whack. Like, you know, obviously I don't think the, um, the people deserve to die that he killed. I mean, maybe, maybe the sloth guy, he was like a pedophile. I mean, fuck him. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like he's got a point to what he's saying. Um, I feel like that kind of fucks with Mills a little bit. I don't know. And yeah, and, and then they go out into the into the desert. The directions and... lead detectives to some desert. Also, there's a helicopter. Following, following yes. But um, that's not super important. But um, they get there and they're standing there, and then uh, a van starts approaching. So Mills makes him get down on his knees and holds the at gunpoint while Somerset goes to intercept the driver, who says he was instructed to deliver a box to the coordinates. And um, Somerset opens the box and in a sudden panic tells Mills to stay back. Meanwhile, Doe reveals that he himself represents the sin of envy. Are you reading the Wikipedia? Wikipedia? Um, But, uh, yeah, Doe uh, explains that he represents Envy, and Envy's the uh, life that Mills has had with his wife, so he cut off the head of Mills' wife. The thing about that is, like, did he, was he actually Envy Mills, or was he just doing that as a part of the whole thing? Like, do you think he actually wanted to be, like, you know, like a family man type thing? I'm not Enough sure, he, because it like, is noted in the film that John Doe is his life. He, his bank account was started with, like, 5K from, like, there was nothing on this guy. He just didn't exist in the world except as John Doe. Yeah. Like, he just showed up and it started existing. So, like, I don't really know if he truly envied their life. It's like, he's so devoted to his thing. It almost seems weird. And, like, also what's weird is, like, did he plan... I mean, it's kind of odd how he planned it out. Because it's, like, uh, especially earlier on, some of the um, clues and stuff that he left around, it's, like, maybe a less smart um, detective um, than Somerset um, would have... How would he have known? um, Yeah, how would he have known how they... And especially also, like, with um, 
with like the fingerprints and then the timing with one year later of uh, with sloth with the sloth victim, and then also how does he know that he's what he's gonna do to like the detective's wife? I guess like I mean it seems like it's so meticulously planned he up until that on point. This facade, I guess um, plans changed after uh, they fucked up by showing up at the house. He probably had a different envy victim planned but went with Mills because I guess he kind of respects Mills in a way because he's not committing to a life of sin if you think about it. So he went with Mills because of that? Yeah, and like yeah, like um it would be weird for him to meticulously plan out to like the day of the sloth victim being found uh, and not plan out like and just planning and being like, alright, whatever detective's working on it, I'm gonna be envious of their wife, you know? Like yeah, I think he just kind of improvised that. But, like, it's kind of hard to tell if he actually if he actually was Emperor Smith. But anyway, um, yeah, he uh, goes on he to her. antagonize. Well, yeah, he decapitated Head, and he goes on to antagonize Mills by telling her, telling him that she begged for her life and they had a baby, which he didn't which she know. Which aware of. Somerset had known from a previous dinner conversation which we skipped over for some reason i kind of forgot it happened but, yeah this is why i don't like going through it like plot beat for plot beat it, it kind of throws it off but yeah anyway yeah because um earlier uh tracy i think is her name yeah yeah uh she uh, comes to somerset because he's the only person uh she knows in, in the city since he just moved there and talks about like you know uh, I'm pregnant, I didn't tell him yet, and, like, uh, what am what I gonna I do? do? I, I, like, hate being here, I hate this city. Um, and that was also a good, like, kind of character scene, uh, just between them. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, Mills didn't know, and then when he says that, like, you know, uh, Mills is already, he's like... It's pretty um, much set in stone at that it's like, point. It's, gonna it's like classic, like, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> it's in the fucking box. <laughs> and like, people kind of say, people say that Brad Pitt kind of overacted there, but like, I feel like it's a valid emotional response to finding out your wife's been decapitated. You know, like, it's <laughs> like freak yeah. out there. Um, yeah, apparently originally you were supposed to see the decapitated head and they made, like, made one uh, for Gwyneth Paltrow, like a model of it. But they decide not to show it because, like, it's better if you just don't. Then uh, apparently they use the head in uh, Contagion, like, way later. Oh, interesting. Uh, that's a little fun fact. Um, but, so, like, there's just a model of Gwyneth Paltrow's decapitated head, like, sitting in a warehouse somewhere for, like, a long time. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, then... Somerset. He, I'm not Somerset. Um, Mills becomes Wrath and shoots him. Uh, John Doe and kills him, which completes his plan. Which is very interesting. It's like that was his plan the whole time, and like he 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 wins. You know, um, like I, I keep comparing it to this. I I, I kind of I won't spoil it too much, but it reminds me of the movie Cure. I said that before. Um, and yeah, then uh, there's like the um, I really like that part when he's like, 
uh, he's like kind of contemplating, like, what should he kill him? Should he not? You know, he's like very uh, upset. And then you just see like a brief, uh, like one frame of uh, Tracy, um, and then he just does it. It's yeah. like, uh, it's kind of, it's not really subtle because you see it, but it's like, it's very obvious, like, what's going through his head at that moment. Um, yeah, and then he just kind of like empties the whole uh, clip into the guy, <laughs> into John Doe. And she's like the helicopter and it's flying away, and it's like, you know, they have no idea what the fuck is going on because he just shot the uh, shot the guy. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? Somebody call somebody. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, um, we um, see, like, the aftermath. It's, like, dark. And, like, um, Mills, Mills is, like, is being driven taken away. away. Because and... he's pretty much murdered, though, so. Yeah, I mean, he did, they, but, like. And they say a little words saying that, um. Somerset, Saint Ola, and the uh, police captain. Sorry, and uh, police captain says he'll be treated all right. And uh, he asks where Somerset will be. Somerset, she says he'll be around. Then the movie ends with a quote by Ernest Hemingway, uh, which is interesting. Um, he says he he will be around. He's not going to quit or retire. Um, yeah, which I kind of see as like earlier in the film uh, he has a. Com- conversation with Mills that was like um, Mills said um, like his whole thing was like nobody cares about anyone so like why should I care that was like Somerset's kind of mindset with the whole thing and it's like Mills said I think um, I, I think you think this so you can justify retiring not that you're retiring because you think this uh, which was interesting it's like kind of by the end it's like he realizes that um, that that's true. At least that's how I see it. Um, that's kind of like what he learned from the whole thing. And yeah, the quote, quote from Hemingway that's um, the world's a fine place and it's worth fighting for. And he says, "I agree with the second part," um, <laughs> which is interesting. It's like um, I get a little chuckle out of it. Oh fuck! Here's something I was gonna say. I didn't say it earlier. Um, the only death we see on screen is when. Uh, Mills kills John Doe. Yeah, that's the only actual on-screen death. The rest is all uh, we see the aftermath, and it's implied. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like there's something there. It's like he got to the place, like he manipulated them to the point where, you know, kind of the good guy became the killer in the end. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, what would you rate this? What would you rate this um, out of ten? I rated it four and a half stars out of five. Yeah, nine. I would give it the same. Nine out of ten. Uh, I really don't have any big flaws with it. Um, I think it's a great film. It's definitely one of my favorite serial killer films. Um, up there with, I guess like I said I, before, I like... have any flaws with it? It would be how Mills factored into the whole thing. Unless I don't understand, like I don't know. It's not really explained well how he envied Mill's life, as I mentioned. Yeah, um, I, I do get I that, the, but like, I, I feel like plan changed. Yeah, I feel like he. Um, it's almost like they're the two characters, Somerset and Mills. They almost go on like reverse arcs of each other. Um, I feel like by the end of it, Mills is probably a lot more uh, cynical about the world and what he's doing as a police officer, and I feel like Somerset kind of. Uh, is the opposite. You know, he doesn't retire in the end, uh, which is interesting. They kind of go through, like, opposite um, character arcs. Arcs. Um, 
but yeah, I really don't. I don't. I think this is. It's like what? Uh, two hours and six minutes, I think. Which is Seven what? Or six, whatever. And um, it's yeah, it's like a little over two hours, and like it really doesn't feel. I mean, the pacing is great. I think it, it moves by, but when it, but it's never like quickly paced. But it's not slowly paced either. I don't know. It's just I think it's paced great. I mean, it looks great. The acting's great. Uh, the very second interesting time I watched story. it with the commentary, it felt like I was watching it on two times speed. It moved so fast for me. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's one of my favorite serial killer films up there with the likes of Angst, Cure, Memories of Murder, House of Jack Bill. I don't know why I'm naming serial killer movies I like. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like a, two main performances really like carry it, I think. Um, that's why I really love it. It's like a character... Um, Study? Uh, uh yeah in a that, way yeah. uh it's like a character driven movie that's what i was trying to say very character driven film um without playing too much into like uh genre cliches because it is like uh you know it's really like kind of smart film that it doesn't play into like you know like cheap shock or cliches you know despite being like a yeah uh kind of a graphic genre film in a way uh with Another the whole interesting like so thing. This was only David Fincher's second movie. Yeah, after Alien 3, if I'm right about that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's like a great second film. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's about all I got to say about that. Uh, 9 out of 10. Good movie. I would recommend it. All right. Um, so now on to our next film, which you... Which you also recommended as a uh, a good um, companion piece because it's uh, a seven kind of, <laughs> yeah. Which interesting notes before we start the second detective in this movie is the guy from the club scene. Oh, if you didn't which, notice that, which club scene? Yeah, he's he's um. Credited as crazed man in massage parlor. I, I don't know who who is that. Oh wait, wait, was he the guy that um was like We're forced thinking. to rape the girl? Yeah. Shit, I didn't even realize that. It is, isn't it? I like saw his face in seven. I was like, that guy looks familiar. Where the fuck I see him from? Then I was like, oh yeah. wait. Yeah. Also, um, there's an Oz alumni in this movie as well. Damn, they everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, for real. Especially in nineties movies. But um here we are. Resurrection who, with Wait, who who was it? Who was the Oh Oslo it's man. um the um the big old the uh, the other squad of FBI agents or whatever detectives not FBI agents. Hmm. The second squad, you know what I mean? Yes. I He's the so. black guy. Okay. But yeah, here we are. Resurrection from 1999, directed by Russell Mulcahy? Mulcahy? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Who uh, the director directed... of Highlander, Resident Evil, Extinction, and the Scorpion King 2. <laughs> and Razorback. Uh, Scorpion King 2, man. I remember I own the first Scorpion King with The Rock. <laughs> you should watch it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, well, I give, so this movie basically follows the same plot as Seven. <laughs> uh, you want to give a plot description? 
Um, except, yeah, except it's for not it's... about the seven deadly sins. It's about rebuilding Jesus. Yes. <laughs> With body parts. Uh, yeah. So I think you liked this film more than I did. Uh, I don't I know. I was like, I didn't get to rewatch it, but I, I think I was a bit easy on this film for whatever reason. Yeah, I I didn't really like, like this because maybe it's because I watched it uh, the day after I watched Seven, and it's like I just I mean I really shouldn't be comparing it because like I mean yeah it's a ripoff I mean it's pretty obvious the whole like uh, religious serial killer motives and the just the structure of the film as well. Uh, it's just like I think it's so weak compared to Seven. Um, just like the characters, I mean. Oh, spoilers for this film as well, uh, by the way. Um, but so there's a detective and his partner, and he's got a wife, and it's pretty much, you know, and there's a killer, crazy killer guy, and the main character, his whole character is basically, you know, he wants to catch the killer, and he has a dead kid, and like, <laughs> it just wasn't. I don't know, and like the partner is just kind of like the snarky like... Spencer, and he like tells corny jokes, and like, and the one thing I I really uh, didn't like was like the killer, he's just like a crazy dude who's like rebuilding the body of Christ with rotted body parts. Like he's not really like, um, he's just kind of crazy, and that's it. And like the wife, like she literally has no character. I mean, I mean, I should be comparing it too much to Seven, like I said, but like, I don't know. It's just. It, it's not nearly as strong in that department, and it feels like it's way—it's going way more on the whole gimmick of the film. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, what is it that he's—he's he's killing people based on the apostles? I think it was. It's like a fisherman, and uh, um, he's trying like to reconstruct that. the body of Christ. No, but like he—he's killing him based on. I—I uh, I, I forget. Uh, I don't really know much about the Bible stuff, but like, there's like, going, I just don't. there's like something he killed like the one guy because they were a fisherman. He killed the one guy because like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it, it, he was like basing it and and they're kind of figuring piecing it together by that. Their, um, something about the possible the Bible. Uh, these numerals. Uh, the the guy realizes that uh, when combined with the victims' names, these numerals are citing Bible verses. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, like, he left, like, a key mark on one of them at one point that they, like, find the uh, key to somewhere. So he's, like, you know, he's leaving them hints to the next next thing. And they'll find, like, a... Every victim's 33 years old. Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus and it's like, was 33 at the time of his death. And, like, apparently he's gonna, like, he's gonna be finished doing it on Easter, I think. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, it's the same type of thing as in Seven with the, um, um, uh, going to the aftermaths, the crime scenes, and like they find a guy like in the dirt. Uh, they find like a um, someone with like his arm is like ripped off because he's taking different limbs. First, he takes like the right arm, and the left arm, and the legs, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's not really a gory film, but like the gore that's in it was good. Um, I thought, but yeah, and he's got like he's coming written on the wall, kind of like in Seven with the greed and blood. Um, <laughs> I guess coming. written in like. <laughs> I don't know why I love that. <laughs> um, and um, 
It's just like a dude sitting on a toilet with no head. <laughs> yeah, you come out. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't have too much to say about this film, but like, should they're we, just. I don't know if we should like go stick uh, beat by beat for the plot for this one because no, I, I don't. I was just gonna say want... some things, um, some similarities yeah. to Seven. Um, uh, the first scene in the film, I think it is, is like. Um, uh, John, I think is his name. Uh, Christopher Lambert character. Yeah, John. Uh, he's, yeah, he's like being called to work in the early morning, and he's like telling his wife to go back to sleep. Which is, I'm pretty sure that exact scene happens in Seven. Uh, but like generally, it feels yeah. like something I've seen a billion times, a billion other times in other films as well. I feel like I've seen that same it thing. It almost um, feels like it could be a fucking Hellraiser movie if they just added Pinhead. And- yeah, it reminded me of um, fucking uh, Inferno. Inferno, yeah. It reminded me of that a bit. Um, actually, yeah. It, uh, but Just, uh, then there's like the, there's like the part when um, uh, John describes like the um, after the first uh, dude. I forget. Yeah, they just find him like with his arm chopped off or whatever. Like he, he says like um, uh, to the police chief, he's like, you know, I don't think there's going to be more killings. Um, I, this is not just a one-off thing, which is exactly the same th- thing as Seven. Except for oh, that, yeah. it was more subtler. It was subtler. I mean, it wasn't, but like, it just felt more in character for Morgan Freeman's character at that point, uh, for Somerset, in that it, it felt like something that was more than just like, and this just felt like they took that scene, that element from Seven. Because like this guy, he's not like some kind of, he just seems like a basic cop. And then there's the scene when um, uh, Andrew, I think is his name, the partner, um, he like tells yeah. uh, jokes to people. Um, he says like, which um, is very bad. <laughs> yeah, and he says like, oh, you know, he's a he's a nutball or whatever. And like, he, there's that exact scene where he says like, uh, John says, no, you shouldn't say he's just a lunatic. You know, you shouldn't discredit his intelligence. And it's like it's, it's that exact same thing. And also, um, the killer like comes for uh, John's wife. Uh, to kill her at one point, like in seven, but yeah. he doesn't. Uh, I thought they were gonna do the exact thing, and basically, but like, it wasn't. He like kills her sister or friend or something. I forget because uh, he thought um, it was maybe the sister of his wife. Uh, yeah, but like in general, I just don't think the film works for any of the same reasons seven works. It's like someone saw seven and it was like, oh, why don't we do this? We can make a serial killer film with a religious motivation. And have the have him always find the crime or the um, have it be a very intelligent serial killer who leaves a lot of, uh, clues in his crime scenes and, and that's what they got out of seven. They didn't David get the characters. To... I don't know why we're oh, talking yeah. about that. But yeah, they um, I feel like they didn't get any of the character stuff. They didn't get what made it seven such an interesting film. Um, they didn't get like the the character or John Doe's motivation. You know, they didn't get anything out of that out of seven. They just got. It's like they read the plot synopsis of Seven and was like, oh, let's make that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fucking, uh, what's his name did with Dante's Inferno? No. Um, and like, it does look nice, I guess. It looks decent. Um, I, I, I did note that the cinematography, I pay attention to that a lot. Grumps was actually surprisingly adamant for a film of this budget. Yeah, like it wasn't. Like, parts of it were good, and bad. parts of it were just, like, most of it was, uh, yeah, some of it was kind of bad, and some, most of it was just, I thought, was, like, um, 
It wasn't uh, like amazing, but it was interesting. It was like acceptable. You know, it was just like, you know, it's there. It's not, yeah. And there was there were some weird editing things. I noticed like when the scene when they find the guy sitting on a toilet with no head, it's like camera's like it's like warping and like andrew the partner uh, he's like freaking out and like it's warping and like cutting back and forth uh there's some weird editing stuff like that and or like there's a scene when they're sitting eating like lunch and they're talking about like uh the killer's motivation and like it it keeps cutting to like a train going by which was really weird like i I felt like that was gonna have something in the film because like you see this train (laughs) going by at several points but it really doesn't (laughs) from seven yeah um i don't know and like um, there's noticed, a point where um, oh. I don't remember the scene, but these birds CGI, they were like fucking floating birds from like a basic ass <laughs> program for CGI. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Also, um, like the scene, the flashback where he watches his kid yeah. die. <laughs> <that's really> funny. <laughs> that was that was hilarious, actually. I was watching it and like it kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> It's supposed to be like this emotional scene, of like you know, you know, it's sad. It's kid yeah. died or whatever, but it's like it's kind of terribly executed because it's like they're playing in the park, and the kid's like riding a bike, and like um, he's like runs after him and he's going towards the street and like jumps and misses grabbing the tire, and like the mother screams and it's like uh, it's like very um, over the top, yeah. and then you see the actual kid like run over, and, like <laughs> he, like rides out into it, like he like falls, like tips like into it. It, I mean, obviously, it was probably just like a dummy. It's a like, dummy. I don't know. It yeah. gets crushed. Then, like, uh, John is like screaming, like a really like no, but like you know, there's no audio. And I was just like kind of overacted. Uh, and then it cuts back, and he's just like no, like I don't know. Something about that edit was funny. Like it cuts back, and he's just like no, no, and, like it snaps back into it. I don't know. It was just yeah, that was hilarious. There's also the point at, later in the film when, uh, which is another problem is the ending. I I think. Um, so the killer, fuck, I, I forget what his name is. Um, Demas, uh, Demas, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't fucking know. He's some guy that was like giving him information at one point, and then I guess he turns out he's, he's a killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's it turns out he was like in a mental institution or something, and he was the killer all along. And they were... he's like, he, he he has to find a a baby that was born. On midnight to someone named Mary, I think, so he can take its heart and put it inside his 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 Jeebus. <laughs> and <laughs> then it's like John chases him through a hospital, and then he goes out on the roof and he's like holding the baby upside down over the <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> over, over the edge the of baby. yeah he's like I'm holding like, him what over the fuck the... are you doing <laughs> yeah he's holding him over the edge of the thing and it's like there's really fake baby crying as like something but whenever there's like a a kid in, in um in peril in this i thought it was hilarious <laughs> and, and then he just um john just shoots him and he falls off the building and dies with his arms out doing like the jesus pose and then it ends it's like what the fuck like it was so weird because I, I was actually expecting like you know it's called resurrection and like I, I thought for some reason there was gonna be like this like crazy twist where it's like all along he was actually like uh he was gonna cause like i don't know uh armageddon or something or like you know it's the fucking uh, he's actually doing. He actually is a. Uh, um, there was no good he, surprise factor. 
No, he just like, shoots the guy okay. and he falls off the thing and it ends. And then there's this weird, he's like, and especially because like he goes, and, like, you know, John kills uh, the guy and then he goes, and he, he kind of has like this um, happy ending moment where he says to his wife, like, all right, you know, I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to pull, pull my life together and get it, you know, uh, get it better. And then he goes and he's like talking to um, Andrew because like earlier in the film, Andrew, the partner, he like got it is like cut off uh, by the killer and he's like talking to him and he's like oh i'm gonna be back buddy you know it's like this really weird like wholesome ending and then it just ends i was like i thought it was really gonna be like it's that and then like this like twist happens and it's like really something crazy like oh then actually the father whatever david cronenberg was also in on it or something i don't know i just i was it was so anticlimactic to me because it's just like do you know what i mean yeah like I don't there's know. No it was just surprise factor. There's nothing. Enough that there has to be like some crazy twist in every movie. It was just like it felt like it was building up to something. I mean, I guess you can say the climax was like when they find like the all the body parts sewn together into the, like uh, Jesus on the cross, uh, which is kind of cool. It was a cool effect, um, kind of decent looking, kind of grotesque. Um, I don't know, but it was just it felt like it was building up to something, and then it just ends. And it's like what? Or like he he. He kills a guy, and then there's just like this very like, okay, I guess that's it. I guess you couldn't have took the put a twist in like definitely... seven did, even though you're clearly ripping it off. Um, uh, I don't know. Do you have any anything else to say? I guess David Cronenberg's really in there. He's like, I like yeah. him. I like David Cronenberg. Um, I think the killer has a mask, right? The mask is pretty cool, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, and there's like that cool scene when. Uh, he goes into this, like, a photographer's studio, I think. Um, and, like, the guy's laying there, and he's got his one leg chopped off, and it's, like, bleeding. And, like, it looked cool. It was like, kind of gory and graphic. That was yeah, a cool scene. And and then, um, yeah, that's... Uh, I really don't have much to say about this. Um, I couldn't really take Christopher Lambert seriously for some reason. His acting has never been good. Yeah. So, uh, he's, like, an accent. And, like, some of the dialogue he was saying... It wasn't because he has an accent, I wasn't the dialogue, but it was that mixture of him saying stuff in that accent. It was just kind of funny to me. Um, there's that one part when, like, uh, John walks into the station and the guy's like, he thinks he's telling a joke. He's like, something, something, and oh, and then my girlfriend got hit by a bus. And John, like, starts laughing, thinking that was, like, a punchline. And the guy's just like, what are you laughing at? <laughs> it's actually real. My girlfriend got run over. And it's like, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. I I don't think this is a yeah it's not uh, very a very good movie for this movie. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't have an interesting enough story or characters to be like seven, uh, and where it's actually just like that's what keeps the uh, film going. And it didn't have enough of just like uh, kills or gore uh, that was interesting enough to keep it interesting in in that department. Uh, but it's like pretty. It's mildly entertaining, I think. Uh, but. Generally, like, forgettable and bland, uh, especially compared to Seven, which, you know, it's clearly ripping off. Um, it's kind of made me want to, like, rewatch Seven. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd give it a four out of ten. Uh, I gave it three and a half, which would be seven. Um, gave it a seven. I don't know how like I feel about that rating. Anyway, well, so... yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Seven was definitely a very influential film, but um, inspired. Is not what you want to see. What? I said you guys' reaction is uh, just avoid it. 
but you gave it a seven out of ten. <laughs> it's like I'm pretty positive. That rating. <laughs> I'm realizing how much of a piece of shit this movie is. <laughs> Even though I have five likes on Letterboxd, I don't want to keep the rating. Well, yeah, it's it's not a terrible movie. Like I would say, uh, just watch seven if you want to watch this. But like, I mean. You know, it's not terrible. It's not the worst thing ever. It's not like something like Hellraiser Inferno, you know. It's it's mildly competent. And, like, if Seven didn't exist, I might like the whole thing more because of the premise. But, yeah. Uh, that's about it for the movie discussions part yeah. of this episode. Um, now we have... What did we watch this week? Um, I watched... The only other movie I watched this week was Cray Macho. Oh, the new Which was book. actually pretty solid. Oh, it's, by the way, this goes know, for like the past two weeks since we didn't do one last week. And I guess even yeah. three weeks since you didn't do it the week before either. So whatever you watched in the past like three weeks. I haven't watched much at all. Mm. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I did watch Cray Macho. It's a nice little lightweight western that has heart i like old it. old eastwood he's still, it's like in his he's 90s. still got his, yeah he's 91 damn yeah he still got some class he's pretty high that's about all i have to say about the movie if you like clint eastwood watch it i might watch it at the end of the year when i watch a whole bunch of 2021 movies but not really sure would you watch this week i watched a lot in the past two weeks um, oh boy! <laughs> uh, I started by rewatching Taxi Driver um, two weeks ago. Uh, still my favorite film um, for the past uh, for a while. It's been my favorite film, and uh, gotta have to talk about it more at some point because I I can go on and on about that one, you know, being my favorite film and all. Um, yeah, just really good. Uh, I watched The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Um, by, hold up, who's the director of that? Hard. that was very, very good film. Peter, Peter Greenway. Um, uh, Peter, uh, directed by Peter Greenway. Um, very interesting. Uh, it's very, it's a weird fucking movie. Uh, it really is. Uh, it's very, like, the best way I'd describe it is, like, it's very classy. It's very disgusting. Um, which is two things that doesn't really seem to go together, but, like, it's got this weird, like, um... Uh, I don't know, like, excess to it. Um, it it's very weird. I, I don't know. Um, it's very interesting. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it's something... The entire thing feels like it's almost like a play, in a way. Like, the sets. Very interesting sets. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it goes some places that I didn't expect it to go. So, that's about all I gotta say about that. Um, watch Your Name, the anime film. Which was fun, but it wasn't really my type of thing. So, sorry to all the Your Name fans out there listening. Greg. I don't know. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but it, it was fun. It was, like, lighthearted um, until it gets serious, but then it gets lighthearted again. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love <laughs> it, but it was fun. Uh, I rewatched. I actually rewatched a lot of my favorite movies. I didn't even realize this. I rewatched Snack to Key New York. Um, which it never fails to make me depressed, but still like one of the best films ever made, uh, in my opinion. Um, you've, you've seen that one, right? Yeah, I have. 
Yeah, it's. I, I'd love to do an episode on it, but I wouldn't even know where to uh, start talking about it. Oh, I mean, man. it's such a complex film, and like every time I watch it, I get more out of it. I realize more that's going on thematically. I get more of the little, um, uh, little details because there's so many details. It's a very uh, uh, complex Shit. film, but like, yeah, it's. I watched it for the I think fourth time. And yeah, I still don't even know where to start talking about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's probably in my top five favorite movies. Uh, I rewatched a Serbian film, which you know it has quite the reputation if you if you know what that is. Um, wink, wink. Yes, uh, it is a really good movie in my opinion, and I think it's really effective as a horror movie. Um, even though like. A lot of people call it really edgelord and maybe trying too hard to shock you. Uh, and it is kind of edgy and shocking, but, like, I just think it's a really good movie. And, like, I've seen it three times, which is weird. A lot of people, like, say, like, they could hardly make it through watching it once. So, I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's that bad. Um, I'd kind of like to talk about it on the podcast at some point, because, like, I don't know. I feel like I have a lot to say about it, and I feel like its reputation of just being the most controversial, shocking movie, disturbing thing ever made, um, I feel like that kind of uh, ruins it uh, for a lot of people, because they just think that's all it has when I... I feel like there's a little bit more there, and I don't know. Uh, it's a good movie. Um, um, Serbian film, Antichrist, double feature. Uh, actually, I'd like to do a double feature with another movie I rewatched this week uh, called Salo. 120 Days of Sato. I was thinking Salo, too, like a Serbian film in Salo. I would kind of love to do that, because I feel like, in a way, uh, a Serbian film is like the Salo of today. You know, I came out 10 years ago, but, you know, uh, Salo came out, like, what, like, 40 years ago? Or, like, wait, shit, what, 45 years ago? Came out, like, 75? Anyway, uh, I feel like a Serbian film is kind of the modern Solomon, in a way. Uh, they're very different, and they're going for very different things, but they both have themes about um, corruption and uh, uh, a very political aspect to both of them, and they have a lot of uh, shocking, disturbing sexual violence. Uh, but yeah, I rewatched Solo. Um, I really... I hate to say enjoy it, because it's not really a movie you enjoy, but like I do enjoy it. I think it's really good. Uh, it's one of my favorite Italian films, so... I need to see more Pasolini. Uh, Pasolini. Uh, I watched the Criterion of it, so... Uh, that was nice, because for some reason, the first time I watched it, I watched it on my phone. <laughs> uh, like Lynch is turning in his bed right now. Fucking telephone. Never, ever get the same experience. But, uh, also rewatched Good Time. Um, Safety Brothers. Love it. Um, shit, I... I watched too much. <laughs> what the fuck? Safety I, I Brothers. Yes, I want to talk about that and Uncut Gems at some point. I, I'd, I'd love to do that. It'd be a double feature. I've not seen either. So. <gasps> really? Nice. Really? They're Maybe we talk about Netflix. Heaven Knows What, too, because that's also a good Safties. Um, oh. Yeah, it's one of my favorite films of the 2010s. I mean, I just oh, I love yeah. it. You asked earlier if there was a director that we could watch all the films for. The Cohen brothers would be nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that was before we started recording, so this won't have any context. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, do that. My bad. I watched Boiling Point by Takashi Katano. Um, this is. I've seen three of his other films um, Fireworks, Dolls, and Sonatine. 
And this is the first one that really uh, made me realize what is kind of understand his style and kind of just get him um, and his whole thing. And so I think if I rewatch those, because this was like an earlier one, um, I feel like his other films are a bit more polished. Uh, I feel like if I rewatch them, I'll uh, appreciate him a lot more. So I don't know. I really, it's like the first uh, Katano film that really connected with me. So I don't know. That's cool. <sighs> All right. A few more. Um, is this boring? Is this boring? Do you think people are actually going to give a fuck what I watched this week? Did you fall asleep? I might fall asleep. I'm eating popcorn. <laughs> That's why my mic's moving. Oh. I watched yeah. Shutter Island by Scorsese. Um, it's not my favorite Ooh. Scorsese, but I really, I thought I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Uh, sadly, I knew the twist. So that kind of ru- didn't ruin it, but like, I kind of felt like I've never actually seen it for the first time since I knew the twist. I watched the, watched the whole movie knowing the twist. I didn't know the and, twist though in the movie. Yeah, well, it was like right spoiled for me. It was spoiled for me beforehand. Um, which kind of sucks, but uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very, very solid. Uh, I also watched The Departed um, from Scorsese, and I really oh, loved it. Yeah, that's um, a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's probably my second favorite Scorsese movie. Um, Below Taxi Driver, obviously, because that's my favorite movie ever. Um, yeah, I just, I just loved it. I mean, like, I got a certain idea of what a crime movie from Scorsese is like, and like this is in a way it's very Scorsese. It has a lot of its style and his signature stuff, but like it's just so different and like it's so engaging. The whole story and the characters, I just love the whole thing. Um, uh, yeah, just, the acting is phenomenal too. Oh yeah, yeah, great cast too. Cast uh, good. Yeah, yeah, Jack Nicholson in it. That was his last film before he like retired, wasn't it? Um, might be wrong. Somewhere around right there. I gotta Google this now. Um, he has the dementia now, doesn't he? Oh, does he? I didn't know that. Filmography. I gotta go to a separate link. God dang it! Last thing he did was in 2010. Oh, he did the bucket list after that. Oh, okay. All right. How do you know? Is the film he did? I did not know that. All right. Uh, but yeah, he, he's great in it. I mean, he... I want to make sure he has dementia so I don't look stupid. But yeah, yeah, Departed, great film. Uh, I kind of want to see Infernal Affairs, which is based on, uh, it's kind of a remake, American remake of. I uh, kind of want to see that. But yeah, I'd probably like to do a Departed episode at some point. But you know, I kind of say that about everything. kind of want to do an episode on every movie ever made. Uh, I also watched. Um, Irreversible, but the straight cut is called, where the entire film plays out in chronological order, uh, which is very weird because like I didn't know what to expect going into it because like that's the whole like I hate to say gimmick, but like the whole hook of Irreversible is that every scene um, it starts at the end and it goes back through it um, in reverse basically, um, and I thought like you know is this still gonna be good? Is it gonna be worse? Is it gonna be better? But like it's actually really solid in that way. Um, it came on like the um, uh, indicator Blu-ray uh, that I recently bought of it, so I, I want to check that out. And um, yeah, it's, it's like the film plays out as a more um, uh, not generic, a more typical uh, kind of rape revenge film, but 
it's still like really effective and I think it's really great. And it's not as good as the other cut because it loses a lot, but yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. And I watched it after being up for like 30 hours. So more intense scenes, like really were way more intense being like sleep deprived. Um, so that was fun. Uh, okay, a couple other things. I also watched uh, a documentary called Jesus Camp um, about a uh, evangelical oh Christian yeah, I know camp for it. kids. Rough, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, uh, it kind of made me mad. Just like, fuck. I mean, just seeing the kids being fucking, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of children being brainwashed. Um, it's just the whole thing kind of hit too close to home, I guess. And it kind of pissed me off. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it just it it made me mad. I don't, but it was a very good documentary. Um, yeah, and finally, I watched started watching the third season of Sex Education, which is a show that doesn't seem like something I'd like because it's like a com Netflix comedy drama about teenagers. It's kind of like a sex comedy type of thing, but like actually really good, and I actually really enjoyed it. Like, every time a new season comes out, I started watching back when the first one came out in 2019. And I just, I, I always forget how good it is until I start watching the new episode of the season or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot why I love this show so much. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, just I'm about halfway through it already. And it's very fun. So I would recommend I it. I season two of Succession. Oh, oh wait, there is something I forgot. I started watching um, Epicenters of New York 9-11 to 21 and a half by Spike I, Lee, a documentary series on Netflix. I, not Netflix, HBO Max. I didn't know that was Spike Lee. Interesting. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. And it has it showed me some footage from 9-11 that I've never seen before. Yeah, that's really interesting, you know, um, it being the, um, uh, 20, 20 years ago. Uh, are you yeah. sure it's Netflix? It's not HBO Max? It is HBO Max. I corrected myself. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, it's HBO Max. I, I do recommend it if you... The first two episodes are not about 9-11. They're about, like, current political issues and coronavirus. Hmm. But they're still pretty good. If you just want to see the nine eleven stuff, skip the episode three. Yeah, I'll I'll check that out at some point. I've been trying to watch more um more documentaries. Um, I've seen quite a few. Yeah, I just I've seen a few, and I've seen some really good documentaries and some mediocre ones. But like, I feel like there's just that's like a whole side of like filmmaking or I guess documentary making that like. I just haven't explored yet, and like, there's so many I want to watch. Um, have foreign you ones. Seen any uh, Errol Morris? Errol Morris? No, I have not. Um, let me look that up. I wonder if he's still on Criterion or not. But ah, uh... oh, fuck. How do you spell that? E R R O L. Errol Morris. All right. Thin Blue Line? Yeah, that's his most famous. Hmm. I have not seen that actually yet. Um, I really want to see the documentary uh, Shoah or Shoah. Uh, I, I bought it on Criterion back in July. 
Uh, it's like a 11 hour documentary about the aftermath of the Holocaust. Uh, I really want to see that. That should be. Oh, it's on the Criterion Channel. If you're subscribed to that. Hmm. I? I wonder if the other stuff is. Do what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm talking in circles. All right. Uh, we're just about done. I guess the last thing we should mention is the next movies we're doing. Yeah. So next week, uh, we will be doing a double feature. Denis Villeneuve, I think you say it. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I know it's I've Denis Villeneuve. Anyway. I've... Oh, Go Prisoners and Blade Runner 2049. So that'll be fun. Um, we'll be carrying over our kind of discussion from the last episode where we talked about Blade Runner. Um, we Arthur's are very... Back, right? Yes, we are getting Arthur back. I'm pretty sure um, he's coming back. Why did I say it like that? Uh, yeah, so Arthur will be back then. That'll be fun. Um, people seem to like him. And you'll watch the um, original Blade Runner 2 and maybe give your thoughts on it since you weren't there for that episode. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, that's about I've it. I've never seen any of Villanueva's films, so this will be fine before I uh, see Dune. Like, not even not like Sicario? No. Damn. I'm not. Yeah. Not even be. a rifle, and a rifle has been free on Tubi for like forever. Oh man. Yeah, I, he's a great director. Um, but I think you'll like both of them. I think you will. Yeah. I bet. Should I be an interesting I've discussion. Prisoners. Ever since I saw the trailer way back in like 2013. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. That's all I'll say. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And making it this far, this is this will be a this episode will be on the longer side. Um, so, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Go check out everything in the description. And um, we're nearing episode ten, aren't we? Oh wow! Woo, kind of a milestone. Sorry. Yeah. Also, we're we're approaching October. Which is horror month. Oh, and we got up. some goodies cooking up for there. Oh yeah. Then. Yeah boy. Um maybe a franchise, maybe some animated stuff, maybe some Who knows? Other stuff. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe some some art house, maybe some slashers. Who fucking knows? There's so much to horror. <sighs> That's about it. So um Let's awkwardly end the end this bitch. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for tuning in. Adios. Goodbye. <laughs>